0: Hey, this is Bobby Gustafson, and you're listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 dilly d. Well
0: alright, it is I, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die. And with me from the John Cougar melon Camp Balls uh Eddie and the Crew boozers is Oh yeah, I fight authority. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> alright, and uh and authority always wins so that's right so we so ian uh yes sir what what are we reviewing again is it blackout this week
1: uh no we already did blackout (laughs) (laughs) that
0: that shows you how up to date i am Uh, with this fucking show
1: (laughs) headless children oh
0: that's a good one yeah i remember that we when we reviewed that like two weeks ago (laughs) we're so behind that's right usually we air episodes like months in advance and uh we're running low, so, but, you know, don't worry. We got two killer ones coming up with Greg Barnes and uh, and a year-in-review one, and, you know, we got some good shit coming. Um, but uh, uh, we're going to go first into the, the iTunes reviews, but now a new feature. I'm going to help Ian with the reviews because he's going to do iTunes, and I'm going to do YouTube reviews because our YouTube... Uh, Podcast page is starting to blow up. People are taking notice. So uh, I'll got, yes. I got yes, and I got some good reviews too here, right in front of me. So uh, you go first.
1: All right. Uh, well, this first review is from uh, from our United States of America YouTube page, and I believe it was last week I talked about uh, a review disappeared. And it was a couple episodes ago where I complained about a four-star review. Well, that's who took the review away, and they rewrote it, and uh, it's called Good Time Revised. And now it is, I'm proud to say, a five-star review All right. from Pol Pot Sucked. All right. And he says, and, and I quote, Originally posted a four-star review, but I now realize they shed the deadweight third wheel. As a duel, though often with a guest, the show really takes off. It's a great way to get through the workday. Particularly good shows are the Lemmy Tribute, Worst Crew Songs, and Anything Kiss. And I am not a Kiss fan. (laughs) I'll be checking out a few bands via a certain link Born to Lose, Live to Win. So awesome.
0: Awesome. That's very cool.
1: Thank Thank you. Yes, thank you, Paul Potter, and, and uh, thank you for not getting too mad at me for a bitch about the four star. But uh, you, you know, new people when they when they join the the, the podcast, that you know, be it the Facebook page where they discover the the show, and I've done this with other podcasts. They don't necessarily start from the beginning. Sometimes they jump around, and I think it's funny that it, it took them a while to realize it. Uh, Terrence is no longer part of the show. <laughs> oh,
0: that's unfortunate. But, I, w- I want people to discover us later on.
1: Right, right. But you know what I mean? Uh, but he still likes some of those episodes, but he's glad he's gone. And Terrence was the only thing holding us back from a five star, but now he knows that he's gone, and it's five stars. So, fucking A. Thank you, Pol Pot.
0: All right, Pol Pot. Killer,
1: bro. <laughs> All right. And then I got another one, and I want to send out a huge thanks. To uh, the assassin himself Josh Carlson it's got uh, because that's right Uh, he sent me a review from uh, from the UK which I I I have no way of seeing YouTube reviews in other countries and I'd like to encourage more of our listeners out of the country you know to send me some reviews you know and and I'll read them and you know especially if, if you are the author of said review uh, send it to me on the on the Facebook page, or you know, however you can get it to me, and I'll read it on the air. But Josh was nice enough to uh, to send this one to me, and uh, this is from a guy. Hold on, let me find it here on my phone. His name is Mr. John Boy Green, and uh, it's a five star review entitled "If You Love Rock." He says, and I quote. And if you love metal and rock, guys like Rob Halford, Freddie Mercury, and Vinnie Vincent, you'll love this fun yet extremely informative informative podcast. Ralph and Ian know their stuff and are experts on heavy metal. In fact, they're like rock teachers. Imagine an even cooler couple of Jack Blacks in School of Rock. Even better, sometimes they have a stupendously entertaining Bill Wang drop-in who is an awesome guy. This is brilliant, fun, a great, great podcast.
0: Awesome, thank you, John Boy Green. I, I wonder if John Boy Green is uh, always updating his shit like Scott Green.
1: <laughs> yeah, but John Boy Green's shit works. Oh. Yeah. That's oh. The,
0: I hope if he, hey, if he has a, a metal station, I'm ready to chunk ship. Just so you know, John Boy Green. <laughs> I've had enough of that, Scott yeah. Green.
1: He has a working chat room.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, I, once again, I, of course, I want to thank John Boy Green, and I uh, especially want to thank uh, Josh Carlson for sending me that. I really appreciate it. It sucks that I cannot see you know, fans in other countries through iTunes, and that's why it's important, especially if you're in another country, join the Facebook page, you because know, that, that shit's worldwide, like yeah. Rass Mama. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Everybody can get that shit. So uh, thank you so much. We love having listeners all over the globe. Uh, we truly are an international phenomenon.
0: Yeah. You know, that's killer. Well, now it's time all for right, the YouTube reviews.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I'm excited. I'm excited to hear this.
0: All right, check this out. And This is why everybody should, should uh, subscribe to our YouTube review, because here's a comment from a YouTube-exclusive video I put up. Where it's Doctor Fuck and Wadzilla invade podcast on their Halloween special, I put I put that up on Halloween, and this is what yes this, we did
1: that last year and it was a lot of fun.
0: And this is what this guy wrote. He goes, "The WZ fucking awesome." I don't know what that means. What does WZ mean? No, this WZ fucking awesome. I don't know. Whatever he said. Candy ending side one. A flaming bag of shit for the 3 sides assholes. Awesome! Too funny. (laughs) I love Dr. Fuck and all his shows. We have identical history with Kiss. I dropped out at the same time for the same reason and came back for the same way during Creatures. To see you guys guest on another show is great growth. I love your stuff and would die to be on the show. Sadly, with the Cherno and shit, I gotta do time in short and i don't think i'll ever get to do something this cool i don't know what he means by that but hey i can't pronounce his last name his name is michael whatever dude i'd love to have you on the show write me on youtube and we'll get that (laughs) shit going uh keep it up guys you you cover great bands and i'd love to see you do april wine nature of the beast soon and we talked about that didn't we ian uh nature we did in
1: fact I can't remember what happened with that, but I remember we talked about it and I started listening to the album and uh, something came up and we never got around to it.
0: Added on the list. And let me tell you something funny about that. Uh, At my job, I was locked out of my computer and I was like, what the fuck? So I called the IT department and since I worked the night shift, they told me, you got to go to IT tomorrow and take a test because they sent me a test at my job that I never got. So therefore they locked me out. So I went to IT and the guy was listening to the radio and they were playing Chess Between You and Me, April Wine. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was pretty weird. That was like commercial radio. So uh, that's why I brought that up. And uh, he's got another review coming up. But first I want to talk about a review we got from the Top 10 Kiss Songs video we put up on YouTube. And he wrote, yes. He wrote, uh, his name is Jeff Hallett. He wrote, Ayatollah. I'm with you, man. Just finished the Blackout episode, and I love Savage Amusement. In fact, I picked up the 50th anniversary (laughs) debut CD import from my local record store a few weeks ago. Thanks for getting me through my two-hour fucking commute. Still listening to 15 worst Motley episode once a week. (laughs) Oh, wow. He listens to it once a week. Love you guys. Gotta get back into the music. Uh, uh, you got you got me back into the music I grew up with. Isn't that cool?
1: <laughs> oh, that, that's I, I, I tell you, I, I love hearing people uh, uh, say that they listen multiple times because, uh, man, that, that's a real testament. Because that's like we watched a movie. These are these are two-hour episodes, and to like have multiple listens on something like that, and uh, you know that is an episode we're very proud of. Uh, you know in in spite of the the guests <laughs> you know that that was a lot of fun and and it's done extremely well and something I think you know we'll tackle with another band in the future because uh, people love hate, but uh, that was a great review and uh man, I love, love hearing that we turn people on to you know remembering music they love. that's incredible.
0: he also left another uh, rev- well another comment on the kiss thing saying. I just subbed the best podcast bar none. Keep it up, fellas, which is cool. Anyway, nice. so Nice. And then uh, let's go back to Michael, and I really can't pronounce his last name. By the way, he, he wants us to review April Wine, Nature of the Beast. Bro, if you want to be on that episode, get a hold of me, and we'll do it with you. Ain't we cool? Yeah,
1: that'd be awesome.
0: All right, so he left a comment also on the top 10 Kiss songs. He wrote, oh, uh, he wrote, you voted in, in a scab kiss song. Just earned my full respect. Kiss music is cool no matter who is in the band. Dr. Fuck you rule. Music is music and you are not biased on this. Good for you. Well, I, I, hate to, I, hate to, I hate to fuck you up, but I hate scab kiss. But, you know, I love Monster, but I still hate scab kiss, you know. I'm biased against that stupid makeup. Uh, let's see. Uh, James West wrote on the Top 10 Kiss songs Before I even listen let me just say Thank you for another kick ass podcast Because I know it will kick ass Dr. Fuck always does Thank you um, uh, Rog Ra- Atai said Ralph how many band shirts have you got You always seem to have a different band shirt on
1: and I saw that cool.
0: <laughs> And I just said Way too many don't know the number which is true And I got a band shirt today. (laughs) I always get band shirts. Um, Okay. Uh, Lies for Aaron says, Dude, you shouted me out. Lou Mavs. Thanks. That was on uh, the cutting room floor. Um, Nice. Kiss 78 solo album uh, program. Got Got a free Thursday night. So here I am starting the week early. Kicking back and chilling out with Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Classic. Wine open and breathing smokes rolled. Uh, There's many more comments that, you know, I didn't do my homework, so I will pick the the best comments and have it for next week, but there you go. And uh, just to let you guys know, I've been working hard making unedited versions of, uh, like Headless Children. Headless Children, there's an unedited, uh, this uh, review you're gonna hear tonight, but don't, don't be sitting here going, well, I'm not gonna listen to this, I'll wait for the unedited. Dude, the unedited won't be up for much, so check check it out, listen to this episode. And, uh, and also, uh, what was it? Um, the Cheap Trick review we did for Heaven Tonight, it's two yeah. hours and 40 or 50 minutes, almost three hours long, the unedited version. It's already on YouTube, and I will put it up in the beginning of next year. The beginning of next year, we'll have all the unedited episodes, but I am putting up, I'm, I'm catching up with everything. And then on Christmas time, that week, I'm going to put up an episode a day just so we can get to the unedited ones. So I figure by the time oh, we get man. to January, we'll have enough episodes that it'll be still like a month behind from our newer episodes. You know what I'm saying?
1: And, and, and let me tell the, the listeners right now, that unedited uh cheap trick has to be awesome because that was a a Friday night Yes. we were both in a great mood and we both we both were very drunk that night right
0: extremely drunk if you listen to the very beginning of the episode because that's up already right is that up yeah already I, have,
1: I I, I haven't got a... I have I'm so backed up on our show I'm backed up like 10 episodes on my own podcast. I know it's terrible.
0: Well, well, I haven't
1: got to listen to it yet, but I remember, uh, that night, man, I was in such a, a great, and that album put me in it. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to that one. Not that I didn't like the album, but it's like I had to study it a little bit. So I had to work, but that the album got me in such a great mood and you and me just got drunk and had a blast. So yeah, that'll was, be a real treat for the listeners.
0: It was a lot of fun. And if you listen to the, the edited version that's on uh, Podbeam now, the very beginning of the episode is after we were done with the review. Uh, I'm talking like this. I'm all fucking hammered for the intro and then the show starts and I'm like, yeah, I'm drinking, you know, I'm, but you hear me progressively, progressively do fucked up. And if you remember that night, Ian, and I edited this out, but it's going to be on the YouTube review, I played the voicemail from the Guns N' Roses chick. Remember that? You don't even remember. you oh. was drunk. But I was like, dude, the Guns N' Roses chick sent me this voicemail, and I played it on the uh, on the podcast, and you can only hear it on the YouTube version, and it's really funny because oh, I dissect it, and I make fun of her. It's really funny. But anyway... Uh, I, I, I remember...
1: I remember you talking about it, but I don't know if I remember actually hearing it. Yeah, I actually
0: <laughs> played it, dude. I actually played it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. And and there's a lot of stuff we. I mean, we get off topic and we really slam people. We throw people under the bus. It's pretty. It's a pretty brutal episode. And I didn't. I didn't edit it because oh no, I don't want you know because we don't. I don't give a fuck. You know who hears our shit? The thing because of time restraints. You know I wanted to make it a two-hour show. But, and I also had in mind, this will go on YouTube, you know? Because I want people to subscribe to our YouTube because my, my, um, my almost human channel has like thousands of, uh, thousands and thousands of, um, subscribers. Well, I'm proud to say the rock and metal combat podcast is now has 370 subscribers to like something like 120 from not even a month ago. So we've already oh, nice. doubled. We've nice. already doubled the subscribers, and
1: uh, and, and I, I asked I asked Ralph, you know, before we started recording this uh, tonight, I, I said, "Man, these unediteds." You you know, uh, <coughs> there was two things I was worried about, you know, with them being totally unedited. I, I said, "One, are are you going to at least edit out like the pauses when I go to the bathroom?" He says, "Yeah, that's gone," and I was like. Well, what about all this shit where we expose Scott Green as being a white supremacist? He's like, yeah, I took that out, too. I was like, oh, thank God.
0: I hope I take it out of this episode. <laughs> if, oh, not, if, if I do, then it will be on the YouTube one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And get ready for the unedited slave to the grind with Scott Green. A lot of people thought. Oh I was, shit, dude! A lot of people thought I was rude to Scott Green, which I was very rude. But man, there's parts of the slave to the grind that I even edited out because I even thought I went too far. Because dude, there was I don't know if you remember there was a part that Scott Green got really mad at me because I said something. Oh, very, I remember. Yeah, I said something very derogatory toward his wife, and he got super right. mad at me. And I edited it out, but it'll be on YouTube. <laughs>
1: Right, which, which I mean, let's be honest—you didn't mean you were just, you know, we were just, we were busting balls extremely bad. Well, I should say you two were. I, it, it, I was taken aback, and you, you, know, those of you who heard the episode, a lot of people have commented, like, "Wow, you know, it's like nobody expected Ian to be the peacemaker." Dude, I was scared sitting here.
0: <laughs> oh wow, we oh, just we just, else. we just right now got a comment. From the uh, episode 5, Kiss Music from the Elder. I don't know what actually this means because i got to listen to it back. But the guy wrote, Copacabana, fucking hilarious. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I guess you mentioned uh, Copacabana or something.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, join the YouTube page. It's a rock and metal combat podcast. There's actually two of them up. But uh, the other one, I already deleted all the videos on it. So, Just uh, type in Rock N, like the letter N. Rock N Metal Combat Podcast. All one word. And subscribe, please, man. It's going to be really good. Because I'm already seeing uh, a shift change. And and to give everybody like a little teaser, this is what I have up so far. On private. The Scorpions Blackout unedited. Motorhead Bastards unedited. Cheap Trick, Heaven Tonight. Two hours and 52 minutes. Is that one? It's a red. It's up. Our. Uh, it's it's on private. Rolling Stones. Go dead soup unedited, and I know there's a uh, wild with children tonight. That's unedited, and I know I have a few more. Uh, uh, slave to the grind unedited, and I think that's it so far. But I still got many more to do. But uh, for now, you know, right? That's what be, I have.
1: And because because we are fucking idiots, you guys get all of this shit for free. Yes. <laughs> you know. Where, where, where other podcasts, hey, and I don't blame them, they charge money for extra content because it's hard to make a dime doing this. And we invest a lot of time and effort into this, but we just love it so much and we're so dumb, we give it away. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, our station manager makes money off our likeness. We we see death and we're like, okay. Yeah, right? <laughs>
0: you know, we're, it's
1: like we're fucking morons. It's like we. We, we make no money but we just love what we're doing and we love that you guys love it and, and, and show your appreciation by subscribing check it out and spreading the word that we ask that more than anything
0: yep and yeah like again like like my music like my reviews like everything it's all labor of love it's not something I do for money but uh you know it's, it's to just turn people on to our wackiness and it works and I think well we're a damn good show if I should say so myself. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. I concur. So uh, we got some news there, dude? We do have some news.
1: Uh, here's some news. Uh, the the awaited re-release of the hearing aid project is now unlikely to arrive before
0: 2018.
1: God damn. Why? And it, well, it seems to be, not only do they have to deal with the record companies that all the artists are, oh, you know, well, we're part of or formerly part of, but also management and all this shit they gotta get, you know, approval of has made this so hard. Originally, they wanted to do this before that last uh, Ronnie James Dio tribute album, but because it was such a fucking hassle, they went ahead and did the tribute album first, and they said when they do do this, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> and, and, I, I think this is going to be a train wreck, but they're going to re-record it, too. Oh,
0: There's no. There's going to be all,
1: Yeah, so, I know. There's going to be an all-new all versions of stars. I mean, they will have the classic version, and they will have a, a, a CD and a DVD release of, remember, the old video. That'll all be part of it. But also to, uh, to get those Hot Topic kids, they're going to redo it. With some current artists as well, and oh my god, yeah, G H E Y. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm ready for black veiled brides and five finger fucking donkey punch to do stars, but oh
0: man, that's oh boy. Ugh. Yes, it does. And, and Rage um, Against the Machine um... doing a guitar solo. Wicky 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 <laughs> wicky. <laughs> super joint
1: ritual while well, they're just super joint has released the title track to their new album caught up in the gears of application and uh i've dug it have you listened to it yet ralph uh
0: no i i i didn't even not know it was out
1: yeah yeah not bad it was uh, they put it up on blabbermouth um pretty decent song i mean it's super joint you either you know you get it or you don't but uh i dug it and uh, you know definitely hope to see them i know i'm sure they'll played a lo- local show here in new orleans and i saw them last time when they were in danzig and put on a a stellar fucking show uh but man just listening to it i really want to hear phil sing some fucking pantera again you know, oh, I, I miss hearing those songs live. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, saw, them, uh, I, I saw a solo show when it was Phil uh, uh, and Summer and the Illegals. They played just two blocks up from my house, and I went and saw that. And uh, you, you can hear me and see me in the video <laughs> uh, that was up on Blabbermouth. You can go back and research it. You can hear me screaming my, Yeah! <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it was so funny. I was so drunk, and I think I left halfway through the show. And I, I saw there was footage on Blabbermouth. I was like, I'm not even going to look at it because I'm pissed that I got too fucked up too early because it was a late show. And um, a buddy of mine wrote me. He goes, oh, I heard you on the Phil show. I was like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, I had it on. I was looking away. He goes, I heard your voice. I looked over, and there you are. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I was... The last thing I remember is being really drunk standing next to Pepper King But, uh, but man, you know, just, just hearing him sing, man, I really, what, what do you think about Phil doing a tour, uh, doing the music of Pantera? Because it really seems unlikely, unfortunately, of any kind of reunion. Uh, how would you feel about him just to, like getting like maybe an all-star band and just doing the music of pantera I'd feel do like, you think that
0: uh, I'd feel I'd have to run out and get that ticket as soon as possible yeah me too you know and that would be a good idea if he would do a, a you know a show where it's nothing but pantera you know what I mean that would be sweet
1: right you know and and probably realistically you know he could get Rex to do it and I would definitely, you know, don't call it Pantera by any means.
0: No, I'm sure you would. You
1: will. know, you could call it, fuck. you know, you could call it Phil and Rex and Effects or whatever, you call know. Call Crash or Die. But uh, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think the time is now. Like, while you know, I mean, because nobody's getting younger. And if Vinny doesn't want to do it, hey, that's up to him, man. You know, I can't fault the guy. I wish he would, but I'm not in his shoes, so I can't fault him. If he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't have to. But I think fans, older fans and newer fans, deserve to hear those songs played live.
0: I think Phil would do it. Yeah? You know why? Because Phil, you know, when I was on the motorboat, dude, he did a bunch of Pantera songs with Metal Alliance. He's joined many bands on stage to do Pantera songs. He doesn't shy away from that shit. So, and I think right. he would love to do it, you know. And and you know what? I honestly believe if if Phil was to do it, it wouldn't be for a money grab. It'd be because he loves that shit. But you know, unfortunately, uh, toward the end of Pantera, I really don't feel Phil was there. I don't think Phil was feeling oh, it. Yeah, anymore. but he he'll. he'll... Well, he'll
1: admit that, I mean, between the drugs and the pain he was in, uh, you know, I don't think he would deny that, but I I think he should reclaim, I mean, as as much as the Pantera sound is, you know, revolves really around Dimebag, uh, you know, they were all equal members in that, And, and he wrote some amazing songs, you know, that have, to me, very important and deep meanings, and I would love to hear that shit live again because that was such an important part of, you know, my 20s and 30s. You know, Pantera, I've seen probably tied with Kiss and Ozzy as far as the acts I've seen the most times. And, uh, man, I would love to hear that music again.
0: And be very proud of that, man. We are very lucky. We got to see. Oh, yeah. I, I did the math the other day. I saw Pantera nine times.
1: Nice. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw them I think I saw him like 13 times.
0: You're yeah, I and, saw more than I did. They only came on down here 9 times.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, well, I I used to travel. I used to travel, you know, I'd see them multiple times on on the same tour. I think more so than any other band. You know, I saw Kiss and Ozzy uh just as much but you know, because they toured longer, you know, they kept touring and stuff. But well, the uh, thing
0: is it, that I never did travel to see Pantera because I'm not like you, dude. I'm very, very, I don't know. I guess I, I have this flaw that I don't like sucking dick while hitchhiking.
1: Oh, well, you know, once you get past the taste, it, you know, it's kind of fun. All right. You know?
0: Okay. It, it gets you where you're going. Well, now you tell me. Dime's dead. <laughs> I can't do that no more. Who the it, fuck it, am I going to travel to see today? Seriously. Glenn Hughes ain't, ain't ain't uh ain't touring now. You heard of that? You heard, that's some news. You heard this fucking oh, bullshit? No. Glenn no, Hughes, we're... Glenn Hughes was supposed to do a tour with Living Colour and Living Colour backed out, and now Glenn Hughes ain't doing it.
1: Oh shit.
0: Now that I was ready to suck shit. some dick, man. That well, I mean, you still can,
1: but uh <laughs> that that's that sucks because everything I've heard off his new solo album is amazing.
0: Two songs I heard were fucking badass, and I did get to yeah, see the man oh, that, once. I saw him with the uh, Kings of what is it? Kings of Kings of Chaos, I think it's called, right?
1: holy I, there's so many of those fucking metal alliance, Kings of Chaos. Yeah, uh, well, dude.
0: That, I mean, I filmed it and it's up on YouTube, dude. Him doing burn, holy fucking Toledo. And they did, you know what they did that night And Billy Gibbons was on stage? They did The Thrill Is Gone, and that was the day B.B. King died. That day! That day he died. And I'm thinking, were they doing this shit on the tour? Because, man, ain't that weird they're playing it tonight?
1: Right. Weird. Who knows? It might have been a tribute. It was Duff McKagan,
0: it was uh, Steve Stevens, uh, that drum machine that was on Use Your Illusions, and... uh, Uh, Gilby Clark, and Robin Zander. Wow. I've never got
1: to see one of those. I don't care. Kings of Chaos, Metal Alliance, fucking Mummies of Metal. I don't know, man. I've never seen any of that superstar shit. Yeah. I'd like to, though. All right. Well, uh, Metallica released another single, Atlas Rise. Did you hear this one, Ralph?
0: Let me tell you something, man. I am so Fucking impressed with this band it's fucking ridiculous what the fuck I heard that one and I'm like okay wait a second this that one may be my favorite one yet really yeah dude and you know the first time I heard it I didn't realize I I thought it was great I heard it, I was like damn man this is really good this morning when I got home from work I, I, I laid in bed and I went on YouTube You know, because sometimes, you know, when I'm not sleepy and I I lay in bed and I I go on YouTube looking for shit. I saw the new Metallica video. I said, "Eh, I'm going to sit down and watch this again. And I watched it for the second time. And I I was like, fuck. And then after that video, I saw Moth to the Flame and then Hardwired. I saw all three back to back. And, oh, my God, all three of them were great. But the thing I think I like the most about the Atlas one Number one, I love the fucking instrumental part in the middle. And I think James' is, sounds amazing on it. I love, I love the vocal melodies to it. And I love uh, I love his voice, dude. I am extremely impressed by the new Metallica. I'm, I'm freaking out. And Lars just came out saying they're going to make a video for every single song
1: yeah I saw that
0: and also in an interview Lars was talking about it sounds like this album is going to be pretty much the whole thing's going to be kind of like that you know like months ago I remember Lars talking saying oh no it's going to be a lot of shades and shit but now he's saying the album is very linear and very like you know straightforward and so far out of these three songs you know it's fucking amazing I forgot who it was somebody you know of course you know I put it up saying how I like it and of course people have to like shit on my parade and one guy wrote oh yeah well um yeah whatever uh i'll wait till the rest of the album it's like dude even if the album sucks these are three great songs what if you listen to the rest of the album right. it's gonna make these songs any worse it's like seriously do you right. have to fucking do you have to like argue with me for the sake of arguing hey this song's great well i'll have to listen to the rest of the album to make sure if that song's great shut up <laughs>
1: Well, you know, because I, I think, you know, you and me, Ralph, are, are in the same boat, is we always expect the worst, but we hope for the best. We want Metallica to do good. It's just they've let us down so many times, but we always have hope because we remember, you know, the 80s, you know, and how important that shit was. Um, and I'll tell you what, I, I just heard the Atlas song today. And I really liked it. It was probably my least favorite out of the three, but listen, that's...
0: Listen to it again. I thought the same thing, dude. I, well, yeah. well, this is what I thought the first time I heard it. I didn't think it was good as the other two, but I liked the instrumental part better than anything on the other two. I thought that section was awesome. But then when I listened to the song today, again, for the second time, it sunk in, and I was thinking, dude, I think this... I think, I don't know. You know, I still got to like live with it a little longer. But for now, I think it's the best out of the three. I really well, did. I, I think you're probably
1: right because, like, I remember the first time I hu- I heard "Hardwired," I was like, "Oh fuck, the music is awesome," but I was kind of turned off by the "We're fucked shit out of luck" thing. But then, like, the more I listened to it, I was like, "I, I don't care," because it has that spirit. Yeah. And then when I when I heard "Moth to the Flame," I loved that one right off the bat. But when I listened to it again, I loved it even more. Yeah. And, uh, so I got a feeling with this one, um, uh, I probably will love it the more I hear it. You know, you hit on a couple of, you know, important things I was going to bring up is how good James sounds. Yes. Because it's like the old James. This isn't like the nineties where he thinks he's Merle Haggard, you know, like the, the crooning shit, that hero for the day, garbage fucking tripe. You know, this sounds like James Hetfield and, uh. And another thing I loved was fucking Kirk Hammett's solo. I thought it was like, yeah. On dude. all
0: three songs, and especially Atlas Rising. That solo oh, is yeah. amazing, dude. Amazing. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, by far, that's the best solo. I that, even, even off of just one listen, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. And that you know riff. What?
0: There's that fucking riff, that driving riff that James does. It's simple, but it's effective, man. It's so- You know, that's what I love about this shit. It's them not overthinking. You can tell. They're not overthinking this shit. It's almost like they just went in and bashed it out, you know, out of nowhere. I really do think that. Because Lord's a thumber. Summer sounds like they overthought that shit, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. But but I I think it's like them getting back to it because, uh, you know, I actually, and I know this is a, unpopular metal opinion. Uh, I think there was something about St. Anger where they had the right idea but the wrong execution. Where if you listen to it, it's longer songs. It's getting into like, you know, it's like they were headed in the right way, but they just failed. And then I think with Death Magnetic, they got a little bit more there. I mean, I know I like that I'm way better than you. But I think, you know, it's like they're headed in the right way, but they're not there yet, you know? I hated but that I think, album. I hated that I, album. I know you hate it, but but I, I'm just telling you my opinion. I think they were headed in the right direction, but they needed to lose Bob Rock. They need to lose Rick Rubin. This guy who was the engineer or whatever, I think without some Spengali blowing smoke up their ass, to maybe where they have to answer to themselves, uh, I, I, I think it's really helped, and uh, I'm excited about this shit. And definitely, you know, I've only seen Metallica once, but judge by these three songs, the next time they come to NOLA, I am fucking there, dude. I'm going, and uh, and and I can't wait, dude. Yeah. I, I'm excited about. It. And and you brought up a great point. Even if the rest of the album is a bunch of Unforgiven Part 4s. These three songs are the best I've heard from Metallica since Unjustice for All.
0: Exactly. And then there's also yeah. people that are like, oh, but Lars sucks. It's like, dude, he he's playing well, dude. I don't think he sucks on it. Oh, you know, I mean, these songs would be much better if I had a different drummer. No, I think it's fine the way it is. Sorry. Sorry, but yeah. I, it's not nope. like I'm a Lars defender, but goddamn, dude, it's like, Stop fucking I'm serious, dude And I know people are gonna get mad at me for saying this But too many people out there are just too blinded by what a douchebag he is Too many people are just too blinded how much they suck for decades That they will not give this shit a chance Right, and, and,
1: and, and I'll tell you even listen to this other one uh, You know, this Atlas song today Of course, I thought the weakest link on there was Lars but lars has always been the peter chris of thrash but that being said he's just as important to thrash as peter chris was to kiss not not the best technical he'll never be dave lombardo you know he'll never be gar samuelson he'll never be charlie
0: benente no but he's i think he's fine at what he does i mean now in the 80s right you know, I can't but, I can't really judge Lars for the loads and the black. And, you know, it's, to me, it's like the whole band a, a, as a fucking unit sucked. So, you know, whatever. But I saw that through yeah. the Never movie and I thought he was playing great in that movie. I was impressed by his playing in that movie. And dude, I'm sorry, this Atlas Rising watching the video, I was like, dude, I love these little things he was doing during his song. I think he's fine. He's fitting in right in with his playing. It, you know, it's just that he makes these faces like it's the hardest thing in the world. But if you go back on YouTube and watch MTV's VMA Awards, them doing Enter Sandman back in 91, he's playing that song like he's playing like the most difficult thing in the world. And he's only doing yeah. a beat. So Lars is right. always looking. He always has a face where he's trying too hard. You know?
1: Right. But, and, and you know, it's funny. I was watching the, the video for Atlas. And if you look around, <laughs> you know, the studio they're in with all the guitars and all this stuff, like they have all of this shit at their disposal. This is some pretty good metal for a bunch of millionaires. Yep. You have to, you have, you have to admit, of course, you know, I mean, we, we just got, uh, uh, in my opinion, a very excellent Testament record. Uh, we got a new overkill record on the way. Uh, Megadeth, you know, this year put out a great thrash album. But he, these are guys that are in another league. These motherfuckers got like some YouTube money. And for some people that well off that have it that comfy to do something this cool, I don't think you could ask anymore.
0: And that was you know? my complaint of Metallica during Death Magnetic because I saw them trying to be thrash in certain songs like My Apocalypse and shit like that. And it sounded forced and contrived and just a bunch of millionaires trying to be how they were, you know? And that's what I think was wrong with Death Magnetic was they were trying, where I don't think they're trying now. They're like, let's just go out there. It's almost like they're pissed because you know, they've had, like the Orion Festival was, was a big failure. The movie was a big failure. They lost a lot, millions and millions of dollars. I think they got some, I think maybe that has something to do with them being pissed off going, Yo, man, I'm, I I can still pay for the heater in my in my jacuzzi, but I can't find I can't buy my my other girlfriend's diamond rings like I used to. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> that, that's probably pissing them off. So they got some kind of incentive. Something happened, man. Something fucking lit a fire on their ass. All right, um, one
1: last story before we get into today's review, uh, and this is something we've talked about the last three news episodes, but here's another spin on it. And I'm going back to uh, great Christian of Testament fighting with Testament. And, uh, basically this is Chuck Billy, uh, talking now and saying the big problem was that when Greg came back to the band after a nine year absence, he wanted to become a full partner again. And that wasn't happening. But Chuck said that he was paid, uh, you know, fairly, and said, "Hey, he didn't have to work a day job, and he got to go all over the world and play." And Testament is owned by uh, Eric Peterson and Chuck Billy because they—they they are the ones who stuck through it through every incarnation. And even Alex Skolnick, who Alex Skolnick coming back adds so much credibility to Testament, uh, is is still. Kind of what you see in a lot of these bands, a hired gun, much like when Ace and Peter came back, they weren't full partners. You know, they were contracted players. The same thing happened with Vince Neil. The same thing happened with David Lee Roth. Uh, and just as, as someone in a band that's more successful than, than Eddie and the Boozers, uh, how, how do you feel about this? If, if somebody leaves a band for so many years and then comes back, should they be made a full partner or should it be uh, on a salary? How do you feel about this, Ralph?
0: I don't think it's right for this guy to receive as much money as Chuck and Eric because, honestly, you know, you should give the the, the people that stuck with it the the major share. And if you want to be there, fine. If you don't, hey, man, Steve DiGiorgio is right there waiting for you, waiting for waiting to get in you know right. and believe me Greg Christian not a bad bass player but come on dude seriously you know it's not like when you mention fucking testament so oh yeah testament Greg Christian
1: you know I I do kind of see both sides because I can see like hey man you know you were an original member and you humped it out for years but also there's the fact that you know he left after low he yes. wasn't kicked out of the band you know he just left so I, I, I can kind of see frustration, but I think, I think it's misplaced anger. Like you're probably kicking yourself in the ass for leaving because if he wouldn't have left, he would have been an equal member with Chuck Billy and Eric Peterson. So I, t- to me it just seems like misplaced anger. You know, like you made a bad decision and now you've got to deal with it and you're mad that these guys get a bigger piece of the pie. And uh, you know, I wish he was as much as I love you know, the Giorgio, and uh, and I love the new album. I wish Greg was there because I'm I'm that guy that always wants the original people, and I, I think he was a fine bass player. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think you can get too mad uh, at that situation. I was just curious to hear your take. <clears throat>
0: yeah, I but I, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think um, you know, I don't. Unless they did the legacy tour, you know, it's like, okay, now split it up because all you're doing is playing songs that he had part of, but you're playing right. like, shit from albums you didn't play on, you know, I don't think it's right, right. you know, I think right. Dave should be a full member, you know, David Lee Roth is different, you know, Wolfgang should be yeah. a salary member, but not Dave, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree there because without Dave, they wouldn't have had those tours,
0: and plus, you know what they, did, I mean?
1: they weren't doing Van Hagar material. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, so and, it, there's and, a big difference. Yeah, and, and, and a different drop. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure Dave got his due. You know, but I, I think basically is he's not part of Van Halen Incorporated, and I, I think it was probably the same thing with Vince Neil. Vince Neil probably got paid damn well. You know, I th- I think in the end he probably got close to close to the same amount.
0: Yeah, and I th- and I think Dave got the same amount. Maybe he doesn't have like the incorpor the incorporate part of the corporate, but I bet you anything Dave would not do a Van Halen reunion if he doesn't get paid as well as Eddie. And another thing, when you think of fucking Van Halen, you think of Daley Roth. When you think of Testament, you don't think of the bass player, dude. You know, seriously, right. you don't. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. Original bass player of Exodus. What's his name? Uh, exactly. Exactly. God exactly. No, but. The only reason you know Craig Christian is because he's all over Blabbermouth these days.
1: Right. No, no, but I, I'm having a brain. I'm trying. I'm trying it's to. Rob. Uh, Rob Mc. Something. Rob McKinnon. Rob McKinnon.
0: Yeah, but still, you, you'd have to think about it. If right. I tell you, who's yeah. the original singer of Van Halen, you're going to be like, uh, "Oh, wait, 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 give me a second. No, you're not going to be that way. You know what I mean? Uh, like, wait a minute,
1: there's only one singer. <laughs> exactly. And it's, and it's not Eric. <laughs> uh, but, uh, hey, you want to talk about a band that's had some, uh, you know, lineup changes and, and and accusations of people stealing all the glory and all the money. That's a band we're getting ready to talk about right now. This is Wasp and the Headless Children.
0: What does Wasp stand for?
1: Uh, we are a special podcast.
0: That's Yeah, you're right. No, that's that's what we stand for. No, oh, shit. Wasp stands for We All Suck Penis. Oh. Well, some more than others. There we go. To get to Pantera shows. <laughs> <laughs> here, here we go. Alright, now it's time to review the nineteen eighty-nine classic, The Headless Children from Wasp. That I know I know the year of that one, Ian, right? I'm right, right?
1: Yes, you are correct.
0: Sir. Yeah, I know that yes. shit. Because this album means so much to me. I love this fucking album. This is a a total tongue bath on the ass of the headless children on my part this week. Because this album is fucking awesome. The only thing I fucking hate, because I'm holding it in my hand, and I hate when bands do this, dude. You look at the album, you turn it around, and there's Blackie Lawless, Johnny Rod, and Chris Holmes. No Frankie, but no Frankie Benelli. Don't yeah. you hate when bands do that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he wasn't uh, an official member, though.
0: Doesn't so. So matter. Yeah. Dude, he wasn't an official member, but the motherfucker, like, Put fucking dynamite up their ass because I don't care what you say. This motherfucker's way better than uh, Stephen Riley. Oh yeah, uh, you know, totally different
1: uh, style of drumming too. I mean, Stephen Riley's perfect for like you know the sleaze rock stuff that they were doing, but this is much more like a metal metal album, and uh, you know this this his drumming here is even heavier. he did on quiet riot i mean this is some real powerhouse drumming fuck yeah
0: and it just adds so much to the songs and but i'll get into like you know what i think of this album overall while we're talking about it but i will say this i heard uh i'm a little hazy on when i first heard this album i mean i bought it when it first came out i know that but uh i it could be the real me it could have been the video the first thing I saw was the real me, and I was like, oh, wow, that was cool, you know? But then when I bought the album, it was like, bro, it's like it knocked me off my chair. I was like, fucking A. Now, this is the direction they should have taken after the first album. I know you disagree, because we had a little conversation, and Ian, uh, Ian says that he doesn't like it as much as I did. But um, I think, see, it, I... It, I think it's the second best Wasp album because, for me, nothing will ever top the first Wasp album. I mean, I don't know. You never, never say never. Maybe the next album that uh, that Blackie releases will be better than the first album. <laughs> I made a funny.
1: Yeah, that happened.
0: So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a total, it's a great direction they went in. The, even though, like, it's night and day. From the last album electric circus but and it's also night and day from the second the first album uh, uh wasp the thing is that if you listen to last command last command sounds like the perfect progressive album after uh, uh, the wasp album because it's got that same vibe party sleaze type shit where heretic is very very serious there's absolutely, absolutely no sleeves on this album anywhere, anywhere. Where and then the third album, Inside Electric Circus, which I will say I like better now than I used to. Um, I think it's 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 a solid album with some good tracks. But I think Headless Children just demolishes those two albums badly, and and I think it's a better. It still sticks out like a sore thumb. It's still worse. I mean, it's still not in the same vein as the first album. But the first album did have like Hellion, uh, Tormentor, and uh, Torture Never Stops. Which is more in the vein of this album. Where in this album, it's pretty much a fucking departure of everything else on the first Lost album. And the last two albums. But there is a couple hints. Of the last two albums on this album well, i think just one and we'll get into that but uh yeah i love this fucking album head of his children rocks what do you think uh
1: i i i loved it when it came out and i i still like it i think it's the last uh classic wasp when this came out i was at the height of my wasp fandom i mean they were probably uh i would say definitely my top five back then because to me they were like an X-rated kiss because they were so about their show and they were so like uh, notorious for their lyrics and everything and they, they, they were the bad boys. You know, I, my first issue of Hit Parader, which I recently rebought uh, about two years ago, uh, it had uh, Blackie Lawless and Michael Sweet on the cover and it was like good versus evil and Man, I just fell in love with the First thing I heard was the cover of uh, I Don't Need No Doctor. Went out and bought Inside the Electric Circus and Iron Maiden Somewhere in Time on the same day. And just fell in love with both of those. And, you know, went back and got uh, through Columbia House. I got the first album and I got uh, uh, Last Command. And then, you know, had to go to the record store to get the, the, the single for Fuck Like a Beast. Because back then, you couldn't get it on the on the original album. And it was huge, man, to, to me. And I loved uh, Live in the Raw. I thought it was amazing. Played the shit out of that. But this is the first studio album that I was waiting for. You know, waiting for it to come out. And I remember, you know, back then, everything came out on a Tuesday. But I had to wait to the weekend to get records. Uh, and I remember riding my bike. I didn't even have my driver's license yet. Riding my bicycle... Uh, to the record store and I was there like a half hour early just waiting for him to open so I could go in and get the new Wasp. Had it children? And, yeah.
0: All
1: right. And, uh, and, and, and I loved it. I, I loved the heaviness but then at the same time I was like, I was like, man, th- this is different. And I already knew it was going to be different because I would heard uh, the real me. And at that time I would never heard Quadrophenia. Uh, you know, I knew it was a Who cover. But I'd never heard Quadrophenia. and I was kinda like, What's this sounds like way different than uh, than other Wasp. I was like, Man, where's the you know, where's the chicks, where's the sleaze? where's the evil? This is just kinda it's heavy, but it's weird. And But when I got it, I played the shit out of it. I mean, for a long time. And uh, you know, then they went up through the lineup changes and fucking uh, the horribly, horribly overrated. Uh, Crimson Idol came out. I was like, "Uh, You know, but I stuck with Wasp through the years. Every time a new Wasp album came out, and still to this day, I still get it, and I still have hope. Really? And us- yeah, and usually I'll like one or two tracks. But uh, to me, this was like, this was really the end of the classic era of Wasp. They, they never got back what they had uh, on the first album through this one. Uh, you know, and... and you know my opinion has changed on some songs and some some haven't but uh, we'll get into that as we go track by track but Ralph why don't you take the, the opener heretic the lost child
0: uh, right off the bat you hear a difference this is not like any Wasp song before it's got a eerie intro and uh, and then like when the vocals kick in Dude, I, it's not like I'm complaining because I really do love this song, but I felt I feel like the vocals came in a little too soon. I think there should have been a little bit more of a buildup, and there's a kind of whack. There's some wacky changes on here that kind of don't make sense, and and I hate saying this because I love this song, but it doesn't. I don't know. There's just I think they should have spent a little more time on it, but it's weird because. I, I see flaws in the song yet. I still love it and uh, You know but 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 the, the sound of it, it's not too rocky-rolly like you know the albums, you know uh, uh, before And I think this song is way ahead of anything wasp has done technically you know uh, and some of some parts of this song just sounds very maiden ish and i don't know if that has to do with uh Rod's, rod stigward is that his name Stig- smallwood smallwood <laughs> smallwood he's got a little dick <laughs> but maybe that had something to do with this but um i think finale and holmes go ape shit at the end and i think that brings it home i think it's a smoking tune flaws and all warts and all i think it's a great fucking song It's just, I don't know, I think it it should have been a little more worked on. And the next album, uh, Crimson Glory, has a a bonus track called uh, The Phantom Mirror or The Mirror? I forgot. That's a complete ripoff of this song. Go figure. Anyway, I love it, Heretic Lost Child. I'll pass it to you, Ian.
1: All right, well, this one and another track always go back and forth for my favorite. And, uh, you know, you hit it right on the head about how, it, it right away you know something different's going on here, you know, and, and you mentioned like the Maiden element and uh, and definitely a progressive element, and I think there's two things that influence that. One is having uh, Ken Hensley from Uriah Heep on keyboards on this, and you oh know, my um, God,
0: look, I swear to God, I did not know that, and I even say later on there's a Uriah Heep. Feel on keyboards on one of the songs. That's weird, man.
1: So oh, you you didn't know that? Huh? I had
0: no idea. I swear.
1: Yeah, Black Blackie was a big Uriah heat fan. Cause Blackie, you know, Blackie was older than anybody else in the band. Uh, you know, and really, he cut his teeth in the late '60s, early '70s. I mean, that was his era of music, and he loved him so much. I mean, uh, you know, on the previous album. Uh, inside the Electric Circus, they do a cover of Uriah Heap's Easy Living, you know, and, and then that's where, you know, he got the idea, like, fuck, you know, I'd love to have kid play on an album, so he, he played keyboards on this album, and another thing that might have influenced it was they also, not only did they have the same manager as Maiden, but on the uh, the previous tour, the Inside the Electric Circus tour, they were opening up for Iron Maiden on the Somewhere in Time tour, so some of that could have rubbed off, Um uh, and I get what you say about the weird changes. I, I think you're right. The, the song does kind of uh, overreach a, a little bit. I think he's just trying to show so bad that, hey, we're doing something new and different. That you're right. If they would have spent more time, they could have restrained it. But I think he's just trying to impress you right off the bat.
0: It's too, and, up, it's too abrupt. Don't you agree? Like, the, the changes, it's, it's too abrupt. It's like, yeah, bam. It, it's it, like, yeah. Ugh. It, no build-up, no build-up. Yeah. Even like I said, when the vocals kick in, there's no build-up, you know? It, it seems forced just to show you, hey, look, we're throwing
1: a curveball here. I agree uh, with you
0: 100%, yet it still works for me. I don't know, i yeah,
1: Yes, yeah, it, it works and you appreciate what they're trying to do, and it's, and it's cool, because especially in an era where uh, music was getting lighter, it wasn't getting heavier. I mean, what Wasp did here is much like Skid Row did, Was slave to the Grind. You know, when everything else was going lighter, they're like, hey, no, we're not going to do that. And uh, even though there is a song on here, you know, Blackie was talking about, you know, going into the riding of this, how how pissed he was because he said music was getting lighter. He said record companies were signing anybody and it wasn't metal at all anymore. And he was tired of the record company pressure. Plus, you know, uh, he said all the death threats he was getting at that time because Wasp, I mean, you know, they were on the, the nasty 15 or whatever, and, and there was bomb threats and death threats at their shows. And he said all oh, this shit was building up inside of them. Plus, you've got uh, turmoil in the lineups. You know, they, they had lost Randy Piper. And, uh, you know, he switched the guitar, and Johnny Rod came in, and Steve Riley quit the band after the last tour to join L.A. Guns. So he's got all this turmoil going on, and he said he kind of put that into the record. But, uh... I think I think this is a great track and uh a and a hell of a way to start the album.
0: I hate I hate the fact that he changed the guitar. You know? Yes, I do I do too. I, I love do. Blackie as a bass player. I mean that's he, he looks like a bass player, like you know, the Gene Simmons type deal and right. and, and it just fits him better. I seeing him on guitar, even like look at him wearing a guitar. It doesn't look as cool as when he would wear that was that B C Rich spider bass he had. Dude, yeah. I a fucking original Lost, dude.
1: Oh, oh it, I, I agree. And, and it changed the sound, too. It was
0: actually uh, Electric Circus where he s- s- switched the guitar.
1: Yes, yes, yes. When Ra- Randy Piper left, uh, because he never wanted to play bass, he has a very low opinion of bass and bass players. He's called the bass a tube of ignorance. A t- bass. Yes,
0: a tool of yeah. ignorance on a hard and heavy video. You he said that.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, the, that Live in the Raw and shit. I think he says it on there too, maybe. Oh, maybe it was
0: there where he said it, yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, so, so you can see there, uh, he kind of thinks too much of himself already. You, you know, it's like, oh, I'm too cool to play bass, but I thought Wasp had a much cooler sound when you had Chris Holmes and Randy Piper, you know, guitar-wise, than than what you had with him. And I think it's, it's just too much blacky. But uh,
0: and really, but, does he really stand out as a rhythm guitar player? No,
1: no. Uh, but th- this is a great track. Like I said, this and another one, I go back and forth uh, as far as my favorites, and I, I still love this song, warts and all, much like you said.
0: But you know, because- you know, if you think about it though, it's like the Heretic, the Lost Child. It's such a badass song that, oh my God, imagine if they would have really took the time and perfected it with the changes really making sense. A kick-ass song as Heritage could be even better. It's scary to think how cool it could have been, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I agree.
0: I should fucking cover the song and fix it for black.
1: (laughs) There you go. All right, well, then we go into their cover of The Who's, The Real Me. Uh, This one never did it for me. Never, never get it. I, I'm not a fan of the Who song either, and I'm not that big a Quadrophenia fan. Fucking hey, uh, wow. Uh, I, I like the album. I don't, I don't think it's horrible, but uh, I, I, I don't get the concept of it. Uh, you know, of course, I love Love Rain Over Me and stuff, but uh,
0: I am one man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's some good. Song. I don't hate the album. I don't hate the album at all, but I'd take uh, Tommy and definitely Who's Next. Uh, uh, a thousand times over, o- over Quadrifinia.
0: I, I I'm not a big fan of Tommy.
1: Yeah, I I, I I love Tommy. I mean, I like Who's Next. You know, to me to me that's the best. Who's thing
0: Next? Holy fuck! What a great album. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, and, and, and to and to me it was kind of a, uh, you know, Quadrifida was a step down, and I know that's an unpopular uh, who opinion.
0: Yeah, you sure you at, get laid?
1: Everybody from Justin Childers to Eddie Better thinks that's the best fucking record ever made. Hey, man, it's
0: to me, it's a toss-up with that and who's next. I mean, yeah. I love... Quadrophina is a great kicking back, listening-to album. I love it. But, yeah, hey, teach, uh, yeah. teach it some, yeah, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not
1: hating on it. I'm just saying it, it's not a go-to album for me. And, hey, maybe years later... I'll change my opinion but you know i've tried to force myself into it because i'm like well everybody else loves it you know you know uh i guess i just need to listen to it again and it's still just never it's never bit me yet but not to say that won't change but
0: yeah that, anybody that... that likes the who it's like okay quieter for you to take some twists and turns but boy really it's kind of weird that oh a uh, who fan would go yeah who's next is overrated because that's that's a fucking album bro hey,
1: hey, hey. If I remember, I could be wrong here, but I think Justin Childers is one of those. Really? Yeah, I I, I, I could be wrong here, but I think he's kind of like uh, what we'll dude's next?
0: Hey, did you see what somebody posted on the combat page today? What's that? It's amazing. It's a it's footage of last night or maybe two nights ago. Uh, the who played and uh, they played. We don't get fooled again. And and Pete Townsend did the knee slide, dude. What? Well, It was for a seventy year old man. He did the knee slide. Right. And, and he cut his forehead. I don't know how though. He cut his forehead before the knee slide. Uh, go check. It's great footage. It's great footage of them doing. We don't get fooled again. And yes, he did a knee slide.
1: Damn it was, make, it!
0: was maybe like three inches the knee slide, but still a knee slide. <laughs> yeah, yes. Did he
1: did he get up on his own or did? Yeah,
0: get... he got back wow. up. He got back up on his own and like fucking I, I don't know like 30 seconds later did the windmill like 17 times. Holy shit. It was unbelievable. I saw the Who, when was it, two years ago? Unbelievable, man. Yeah. What oh, a great awesome. band. What an amazing fucking band. Uh, awesome. Okay, go ahead. Well, back to Wasp.
1: Yeah, uh, back to the song. Uh, again, I, it, much like the Who album, you know, it, it's covered from, I don't hate the song, but it wasn't what I wanted from Wasp at that time. I mean, it was really like, okay, yeah, I like the, the bass sound was cool, you know, but, uh, even the video, I was like, Ah, uh, where, where's titties? I want titties. Oh, there were where's titties. Pinna-
0: there were titties in the show. Well, there was a
1: chick, but it was more about this pouting kid slamming car doors. Yeah, but that, yeah, but that I, bitch I, was hot, man. I want pentagrams and, and fucking. T- you know, I want. I want the Love Machine video every time. Okay.
0: <laughs> you know. Yeah, you I know. Want- I, I can't. I can't argue there.
1: Yeah. What, know, a great, I, I, what a great. What a
0: great video. It's total. Total cheese. Stupid. Horrible. But. That's the best type of video,
1: right? But this one, you got an angry kid. It's like a goddamn, uh, you know, Jeremy spoke in class today. Shit, I don't want to hear your fucking problems. Yeah, yeah. but dude, got,
0: in, in, play the titties in the middle of a black and white video. There's this really hot bitch with a fucking tank top that's in color, and oh boy, that that girl's ultra hot. I think she saves the video, but I have a different opinion on the song. But go ahead.
1: But uh, no, that's basically it. I want titties and pentagrams and uh. And then this is this is kind of like some wah-wah uh, shit. Nobody understands me. I ain't got time for that shit. All
0: right, um, I love it. I, I think it's an amazing cover. Um, Blackie said in an interview that Pete Townsend wrote him saying how much he loved it, and Blackie framed it. Now, if that's true, then I agree with Pete. Not very different than the original. I mean, it does have like you know some da 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 da. That that part's like a little different. After the solo, or there's no solo on the song, right? I don't think so. But, uh, but uh, that's good because the original version is perfect to me. And changing it in any way will not make it any better. Uh, and the original is just fucking perfect. And an amazing opening track off my favorite album from The Who, which I say sometimes it is, you know. I, I flip flop with that and, and he's next. Uh, I think it's a solid 10. I think they nailed it now it's it, it does have it strays a little bit because i feel like this album is kind of like a concept album but there's a couple songs that are not, not very part of the concept but it is an album that's very pissed off uh, at the world at the world situation and in the human race and i think the real me uh lyrically fixed that but it also has a tinge of good time rock where the rest is kind of darker, where there is a couple more good time rock songs, but I love it. I think the real me is great. The next track is the is the title track, and uh, correct. And it is my favorite track off the album. It's one of my all time favorite um, uh, Was songs. And, and unlike other episodes, I took notes.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know why. I just took notes. I said like, I'm going to take notes for this. So this is what i said so epic with the sabbathy intro with the evil screeches the uriah heat type keyboards ending the intro that goes into the crunching heavy metal verses see that and i, I even thought of right i swear to you i didn't know that that it was a guy from Uriah. badass social commentary type lyrics something they never did before and unfortunately later albums they would carry on the same tradition that wasn't as effective as this because after this blackie like, kept like giving his two cents and believe me man you know put it back in your pocket i think here he kind of nails it uh whether you agree with him or not or whether i agree with him or not which i kind of do on this one but um i think he nails it you know time bomb in the hands of the wicked war babies i think that's just badass blackie nails it this is a amazing song i love the fucking it's just so heavy metal. And I I don't know if you know it, Sam, but I love the heavy metal. Oh yeah? Yeah, love it. Love it. <laughs> and this song is very traditional heavy metal. My favorite type of heavy metal is this. And you got your little, you know, uh classic Uriah heat a tinge thrown in it. And then goes and dude, one thing man, love Blackie or not, man, what a fucking voice on this guy. I love Blackie Lawless's voice. It's unique. I mean, you hear it, you know it's him. Unlike me, people think I'm Souza from Exodus. But, <laughs> but Blackie Lawless is such an amazing vocalist, and I think he really does showcase the strength of his vocals on Headless Children. I just and and the lyrics and 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 the 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 melody to the Headless Children. Feel the night. feel the night. I can't remember the lyrics now, but god damn, man. What a great fucking song. Maybe it is my all-time favorite Wasp song, if I really, like, have to think about it. Other than a ballad that sounds nothing like Wasp that I want to talk about later, that would probably be my favorite Wasp song, but it's not Wasp to me, so. I would say, like, a, a true Wasp song. I'd say Heaven's Children is the best Wasp song ever. Thank you.
1: Alrighty. Well, this would be my favorite track on the album as well. Uh, you know, and I always went back and forth between Heretic and this, but nine times out of ten, this song wins. And I just love the way it starts out. Those fucking drums. And then when you hear Ken Hensley on those keys, that... it's Because my dad raised me on Uriah Heath. And, you know, his big comment, I've said this a million times, you know he, the '80s metal that I listened to. He's, he said, "Ah, oh, it sounds like Bad Uriah Heat to me." And uh, let me let me
0: ask you something, Ian. Um, yeah. I can't get into Uriah Heat, bro. It, it, is it is it
1: because of David Bryan? Is it because no, of the vocals?
0: no? I like his vocals. Okay. Um, I bought what everybody claims like best album, Magician's <laughs> Birthday. Right. I bought that on vinyl. Uh, uh I don't know. I bought a. a, a Goom-gob, a goom-gob? yeah, 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 a bo- yeah,
1: but that—that's like almost Night Ranger
0: one. Yeah, that's uh, very commercial. I bought that album only because of that album cover. Yeah, yeah, and, and
1: there is a song that—that's that, just the way that it is. I do love that. That, song.
0: that, that I have a video for that. and yeah. and I saw that lineup open for Jesus Priest. Oh yeah? So oh, I nice. and here's here's the ironic twist of it. When I saw Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes was at the Sunrise Musical Theater with Tommy Aldrich and. Uh, Rudy Sarzo. Then uh, a year later, or a little over a year later, I saw uh, Uriah Heep play in the same place with Lee Kerslake and Bob Daisley.
1: There you go. Isn't that
0: weird? Same venue, same right uh, rhythm section. Great, but you know what? It's right. I, I I gotta listen to it more. Yeah, I, I mean it's definitely an acquired
1: taste, and they're one of those bands like if somebody says, "Oh, I don't get it." Uh, you know, I'm not going to judge it because it is different. A lot of people, some people, have problems with David uh, Bryan's vocals. Who, you know, was their original singer through, I believe, not, like 1977. So he
0: he's on Magician's birthday.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, he, I he, don't
0: he, I don't recall not liking his voice. I thought he's he's a good singer.
1: Yeah, but but I mean, it, it is a weird mixture because I mean, they are, you know, they were around at the birth of heavy metal, you know, so. You know, so there was no rules back then to what was heavy metal, and they definitely had, you know, more progressive elements. I mean, you had, the, you know, you know, one of the biggest stars of the band was their keyboard player, you know, which I mean, Deep Purple was kind of like that with, with John Lord too, but uh, you know, they definitely they were kind of more like Hawkwindish, uh, you know, progressive type rock, but uh, you know, you know, they're one of those bands I got to be in the mood for. And sometimes I'm in the mood, sometimes I'm not, but I, I respect them. Uh, and I respect what, you know, they were there at the creation of this shit that we love, and obviously Blackie, uh, totally respected them too, and and just the way that sounds, it's the perfect. Like you, you couldn't imagine hearing that song without those keyboards, you know. And uh, and what I love is that, you know, they sound like '70s keyboards. You know, it sounds like Deep Purple or you Uriah Heep. It doesn't sound like Final Countdown or Bon Jovi or anything, you know. It's definitely got more of an organ feel to it, and you uh, it's just and 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 again, the drumming by Frank Benally is just so pounding and powerful and like, yeah, I mean, here's like, it is. It's like Uriah Heap and Sabbath, and you know, you you were spot on about Blackie Lawless's vocals, man, because that guy, like you said, you you know right away it's Blackie, and the funny thing is. As heavy as his vocals are, I don't think anybody can do a, a more beautiful ballad than him, too. When he does a ballad, it, it's just, he's got a real, like, I don't know, evil way to delete. You know, a song like Sleeping in the Fire uh, is just as powerful without being cheesy. And uh, yeah, absolutely love it. My favorite track on the album.
0: You're intelligent. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. You know i want i want to bring up something about uh frankie banali for a second uh because i'm looking at my cd right now head of children it's signed by black uh frankie um when i saw quiet riot uh, like in the 2000s you know and he signed that cd for me and that was all to it you know we had a little talk frankie yeah i love you ba, 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 you know signed my shit, and that was the end of it you know and i walk away i went to go t- talk to kevin or you know they were all there hanging out carlos kevin rudy and then I go into the, there's this patio area at the culture room, and all of a sudden I get a tap on my back, and it's Frankie Benali, and he goes, hey, I just want to let you know I'm going to be on the next Wasp album. Ain't well, that cool?
1: Like, oh, wow.
0: Yeah, I don't know what, I can't tell you which album that is, but Black uh, Frankie did play on a future Wasp album. All right, you take the next one.
1: All right, the next one, Thunderhead. Uh... It's a good song. Uh, I wouldn't call it a great song. Uh, it has one thing that does annoy the piss out of me, and that's the like the Twisted Sister gang vocals. You know that hey 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 hey. hey. Uh, it is. I, I just find like very dated and uh, and, and kind of stupid. But uh, it, it's it's not a horrible song. But uh, you know I, I like the Real Me better than this one. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of I like the you know the spoken word part. You know, I believe this song was written about a like like just an insane guy who who was a was a bomber. And uh, you know, that's supposed to be like the voices in his head telling him what to do and shit. Uh, again, not not a horrible track.
0: A bomb, uh, a bomber. You said,
1: yeah. What's that? Yeah. What's that?
0: Yeah. What's a bomber? Like a, a guy in a plane bombing.
1: No, 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 like, uh, like, like, the unibomber or something. You know, like a guy just blowing up buildings and oh, stuff like okay. that, uh, setting off bombs. Oh, you know, that I, spo- that's that spoken word is like the mad voices in his head that makes him do what he does.
0: I could have sworn. Uh, I mean, you may be right, but I was always under the impression this song was about drug addiction. Oh, could be. Yeah.
1: Would you die for
0: me? Would you kill for me? And whatever.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, could be that too. Yeah. Either way, I, I hit the hey hey hey.
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, hey, it's all open for interpretation. I could be wrong. Uh,
0: but it would, uh, it would make more sense uh, considering how the vibe of this album. But yeah, I think it is about drug addiction. But eh, I could be wrong too. Yeah,
1: yeah you, you know, now that you mentioned that, I think I heard something of that too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm drunk. I took notes, but not as good as yours uh but yeah it's an okay song but uh yeah definitely not a standout track to me what do you think
0: yeah the notes i took is not like wikipedia shit. this is all just interpretation of what i feel about the album so i mean i've always thought this song was about drug addiction i think it's a killer epic tune that you know and, and and so far it's like been epic after epic and and here's where the epic song ends you know on the album there's not really no more epics after this but. What an ending, you know? I love the mellow piano intro to the killer riffies that... Like, it's just like... Mm, it just keeps going, man. Needles and pin, a dead man you're in! I love that shit. And yes, that middle section where they... It sounds to me, it's like the addiction is talking to Thunderhead. You know, it's like, would you do this for me? Would you do that? Would you suck cock for me? Yes, I will, master! I, th- I just think it's a badass song and I think it's well thought out and yeah I never really thought about the hey 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 but I don't know it never really bothered me yeah you know? but you know I like hey 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 like you know he talking about love and shit like that it's fine I love it uh, Thunderhead cool shit all right I'll go to the next one mean man sticks out like a sore fucking thumb uh, 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 you know as far as subject matter this whole album is serious then comes this song that's like electric circus on steroids. Uh, it, it's you know, it, here's the first sign of the wasp we all know from the past: fast-driving song with salty language. Uh, I have this single on, the, on vinyl. Uh, it's Chris Holmes on the cover, which is weird—like an album cover with just Chris Holmes on it. How did that? How did that slip through Blackie's Press, huh? No shit. You know. But, you know, and, and then lyric-wise, I think it's Blackie capitalizing on Chris Chris's reputation at the time from the Decline movie. Because, you know, the Decline movie came out before this. Uh, I think this song smokes. I think it's just a good time rocking heavy metal tune. And I think it's very catchy, where I'm a mean motherfucking man. I just, oh, I love that shit, dude. Uh, the lyrics, in you know, a Chewbacca and the ride—it's like, okay, you could have changed that. But other than that, I, I, I like this song. I like this song a lot. I think Mean Man kicks ass. It's a, it's a mean ass song. I love it. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think not enough metal songs, mention Chewbacca. I think that's fucking perfect. All right. uh, I, 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 love it. Now this is Wasp to me. Uh, I think they've done better, but to me, this is, this is what I want to hear. You know, you want, you want to hear some cussing. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head about him trying to capitalize on the decline shit because it's very unlike Blackie to give credit to anybody but Blackie. You know? And, uh, you know, there's, all the stories are legendary about how jealous he was about Chris Holmes marrying Lita Ford and going to the Grammys with her and shit like that. So... That's the only way I can see him giving somebody else credit, is, is to try to further his shit. But I love the fucking song. And, and just listening today, you know, I was like, oh man, now this is Wasp to me. Even, as much as I love Headless Children, uh, th- this is like a classic sounding Wasp song. Uh, absolutely love this. Definitely in my top, uh, I'd say top four on the album. Love Me, Man.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go there too. Awesome. Is, let me ask you a question: Is there any song after "Mean Man" on this album as good as "Mean Man" or better?
1: Ah, uh, you know what? Now that you mention it, "Mean Man" would have to be top three. <laughs> but there there is another song on this album that I that I truly do love but, more uh, more than "Mean Man." Yeah, I think "Mean Man's, no, that's why I just said I think Mean Man would be top three now and not top four. Dude, there's a <laughs>
0: song coming up I love I love more than Mean Man.
1: Oh, good Lord. Yes. Okay. I,
0: I mean, okay. I, I, I fucking love it. I may I may even put it number two on the album, my second favorite. And what song is that? We'll get to it when we get to it. Why don't you take the next song? Okay, the Neutron Bomber. Uh,
1: a little love letter to Ronald Reagan. Uh, which is funny you know he's right I mean he probably wrote it while Reagan was in office but by the time this came out you know we had uh, George Bush senior in office but uh yeah this one don't really do much nothing for me you know it, it's just uh, uh, beginning of the filler and now I kind of remember why uh, you know th- this is one uh, I didn't buy this on cassette this is this I bought on CD uh, but I remember this as being one that I would listen to like the first half a lot more and then pop out and put something else in. But uh, to me, with the exception of one other track that's coming up, the album, to me, really ends with Mean Man. Neutron Bomber, uh, beginning of filler for me. What do you think, Ralph?
0: I love this song. Uh, I do agree with you. It is filler. But um, I, you know, how about the beginning? Do you remember how the beginning starts? Boy, it's it's, yeah. it's 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 love gun. Right. Da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, then it does that little change, but it's fucking love gun. Uh yeah, it's about Ronald Reagan and the threat of the of nuclear war. Uh, other than the last song in this album, this pretty much is uh, is part of the concept of the dark times we've lived in back then and in the present as well. And let's face it, the future. We're always gonna have this shit uh hanging over our head, the, the threat of nuclear war. I think it's a great song. I love the heaviness of this song as much as all that came before it, you know? I think it's a great example of why this is my second favorite Wasp album. This, uh, is it as good as every song before? No, okay, no. But, you know, I like it. I like it. I still like it. The, the, this music speaks to me more than the last two, even though I do like the last two. And if you want to see what I think of uh, The Last Command, we have an episode about it. And, um, but, uh, this, this one is just infested with heavier tracks. You know, Banali has a lot to do with this. The man is a fucking beast, man. Adds so much to the sound of this song. I fucking love it. Now I want to go to the next one. Uh, it's right. called Mephisto Waltz, right?
1: That's the name of it. Mephisto, I believe is how you pronounce it. Okay,
0: Mephisto. Then put an E on it. God damn it. Why do you put an I? You confuse me that way all right a gorgeous gorgeous instrumental not something they were known for at this point obviously um kind of has a tinge vibe of iomi type laguna sunrise fluff type shit, you know but but a little more you know um perfected you know you can tell this is something that they really worked on and I think it's gorgeous it's only a minute and 30 seconds of obviously it's an intro for the next song but I want to talk about this song as a song itself and not as an intro to forever free I think Mephesto Waltz is gorgeous it's beautiful and I love it and I think it was welcomed to this point of the album where this album is just like BAM 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 and here's like Man, now you can breathe in the the sweet sound of mellow acoustic music. I love Mephesto waltz. What do you think? Uh, I agree.
1: I think it's great, but I think what suffers is, you know, the placing of the album. You know, putting it before Forever Free, which is an acoustic-y song, uh, kind of just makes it seem like an intro, where if it was placed, I mean, I, I think there's some bad sequencing on this album to begin with. I think if they, cause the first side is so strong, I think that they would have mixed it around a little bit. It would have been a more cohesive album. Like something like this would have been like really cool in front of, uh, the title track. You know, I, I would have liked the title track as the last song. And maybe this before that,
0: you know, you're, you're but, right. I, I would, I would have to agree with you.
1: But, uh, it, as far as the positioning, uh, to me nine times out of ten when I hear it I always kind of overlook it and just like oh Forever Free's coming up uh, but, but it is better than that you know That, that that's just where my head's at but I, I think you know it has to do with the placing you know you're putting an acoustic piece right before an acoustic song so it almost makes it look where you know like it should be one of those you know where it's the festival's walls and then you know a slash Forever Free kind of thing like you know what Sabbath did with songs that ran together and stuff Uh, And I I think that's the only thing that suffers is the placement, but but it's a fine instrumental. I agree.
0: All right, you take the next one.
1: All right, the next one, "Forever Free," the second single off this album. Uh, I absolutely love this song. Uh, I, I really do, but I find it very odd that, you know, Blackie talks in the liner notes, you know, about this time like he was so pissed off at record company pressure. You know, to be commercial and to do shit like that, uh, that this album was a, uh, you know, like a, a, a finger, a middle finger in their face. Like, no, fuck you, I'm going to go heavier. But what he's doing here is exactly what every other band was doing in 1989. And that's having a ballad. Uh, now, the, the difference is, I love the song. And and I, I think it's a great song. And his voice to me is Flawless on this flawless now I've heard different things about what the song is about I've heard that the song was about somebody he actually knew that he dated that died in a motorcycle accident and then also uh, on Wikipedia it says that is supposedly a homage to uh, Freebird.
0: I read an interview with Blackie back then where he said that
1: oh really well it okay. was it
0: was uh, on a magazine so you know you can take that with a grain of salt you know what I mean? Uh,
1: but I think it's a damn fine song. And, you know, songs like this, Sleeping in the Fire, Cries in the Night. Uh, so good. So good. And then he would get, like, the next album, that, hold on to my heart. Woo! You know? Like, that was like, okay, now you sound, that shit sounded like it was off of Hot in the Shade. Sound like fucking Forever or something. Or, or uh, what was that horrible ballad off of uh, Revenge? Every time I look at you. Yeah, that, yeah, hold on to your heart got into that fucking territory. But this one, I absolutely love. It sticks out. Uh, you think Mean Man sticks out like a sore thumb. This sticks out a thousand times more. And I really can't see anything other than a blatant attempt to cash in on the, hey, everybody's got to have a balance thing. But I do happen to like the song. But uh, man, it does not fit the record to me. What do you think, Ralph?
0: You're not the only one. A lot of people love Forever Free. Here's where the album takes a turn for the worst for me. And you know, and, and I know he said it was about Freebird and shit. It sounds more Allman Brothers to me than, than Leonard Skinner, really. And I love the Allman Brothers, but ugh, I don't want to hear the Allman Brothers in the middle of a killer heavy metal album and a bad Allman Brothers song at that, you know? Now, I can't, I can't go as far to say that this sucks because it sounds somewhat forced to me. I don't think Blackie honed in the ballad at this point. You know, Sleeping in the Fire, as you mentioned, is great, I love that song. And and I didn't like Cries of the Knife," but I love Restless Gypsy off the last album, which, you know, is, it, it, I can't, it's not ballady like Forever Free, neither is Sleeping in the Fire, you know? Uh, when it comes to getting really mellow, mellow I think Blackie hit the mark on the next two albums with Hold On To My Heart. Ugh. I fucking love that song. I think that song is amazing. And I, dude, believe me, I don't, what was it? Uh, Forever? No, come on, bro. Sorry, bro, but no, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, don't I, I can't equate that's. And actually, I don't hate Forever. I don't think Forever or that other song from Revenge is terrible. They're okay. I mean, I don't know. Oh. I don't i don't love them as much as i love hold on to my heart but the next album if you think hold on to my heart is lame to you ian there's a song on the next wasp album that not only do i think it's the greatest ballad he ever wrote but man if i was to compile a list, it would be like definitely up there man one of the greatest ballads ever written it's a song called keep holding on it's just a great song that hits me emotionally Enough that you know, if I hear it, you know, I, I, I get depressed over this girl. It, I mean, I cried like, like if you were sentenced to a year without beer. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. But forever free, I don't like it, dude. But I'll tell you what I do like about it. Um, I like when it turns heavy. You know, I like that. You know, I I love that part. And yeah. and, and and I also love the video, that part in the video with the rain and him screaming. I think that's fucking awesome. I do yeah, love way, that.
1: Way better than when Guns N' Roses ripped it off for November Rain.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like November Rain too. But still, um, uh, of but, course you do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Why isn't I haven't sucked cock yet?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think the jury's still out.
0: Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm. I'm. One day I'm gonna suck cock. Going God, I wish I would have done this earlier. <laughs> now please put on hold onto my heart and whip out that <laughs> cock. <laughs> but anyway, I I, I I don't like this song, dude. It's the worst song on the album. But I like the heavier part of it. But then like the heavy part like stops and then it goes back to I don't like it, dude. it's just to me it sounds way too forced. And you we were talking about Blackie Under Pressure of that record company. This definitely sounds like Him fucking uh, catering to the record company.
1: Oh, I agree. And
0: they made a fucking video for it, which is another blatant attempt to get like a hit song. But let me tell you something. No, no. And and you know, even like the next two songs that I I mentioned, I loved. Hold on to my heart and keep holding on, which is one of the greatest ballads ever. Those will never, never have any type of impact on society because it's under the wasp moniker.
1: You know, and I haven't listened to that album in years. You want to talk about a Wasp album that I listened to once and never went back to. That's still not black enough. Still Not Black but,
0: Enough It's so patchy. It's not even funny. No, it has a great song. On it. I can't. Dude, you got to hear that song.
1: I, I'll i check it out again. But, you know, something You know people may or may not know. Neither one of those were supposed to be Wasp albums. Uh, they were both supposed to be Blackie Lawless solo albums. But much like how... You know seven star was black Sabbath featuring tony iomi that's what crimson idol and, and still not black enough were uh you know they were really solo albums but to try to get five more people to buy it it was called wasp because blackie's the only member
0: did you know did you know this uh that blackie didn't want to call the album blackie lawless though he wanted to go under his real name steve whatever
1: steve duran
0: yeah he actually wanted to be steve duran for prison I- I was like, dude, really? Wow. Well, it would have made more sense, because I I don't hate The Crimson Out as much as you, but boy, I do think it's extremely overrated, because a lot of people praise that fucking album, and I don't really think it's that great, though it does have three, four tracks on it I really like a lot. Oh. It, it's it's so self-indulgent
1: and so, so repetitive and, and such a blatant, yes.
0: blatant ripoff.
1: Tommy, it,
0: it, it, Tommy to be oh. you know, more, more, not really Quadrophenia. Oh. Tommy, like you know, listen to you. I got the answer. You know how they do that repetitive on that song. Uh, oh. Blackie does it on. Think I think it's on the Great Misconception of Me, or one of those songs where he. Give me love to set me free. He says it like a hundred times during a hundred songs on there, but.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, I, you but, know what? I'm not a big fan of Crimson Idol, and that's an album. I was like, dude. I gotta get into it. I, I I know I like it, but it just didn't do nothing. And don't, don't you think, I mean, I don't know about you if you ever really uh, noticed this. The album cover to The Prince and Idol, dude, that dude looks exactly like Tommy Lee at that time. The uh, Dr. Feel Good Tommy Lee. Mm,
1: never thought about it. Yeah, no, there you go. But, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, at least it's better than Neon God. Neon
0: God is so forgettable that I don't even think I sat through all of it. You know? Oh god. And two albums. That that shit was too long for an EP. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good lord.
0: Yeah. Alright, you wanna take the next one? Man Eater.
1: Oh, if I have to. Let me see what my fucking notes are for this third. Um uh, Lane. Total filler. Uh uh. Now, as much as I love inside the Electric Circus, uh, it was really the beginning of, of the, you know the filler era, if you will, for Wasp. While there's songs I absolutely love, uh, this song this song is about as dumb and forgettable as Mantronic.
0: No, oh, I like uh, I like Mantronic. I,
1: I I like him, but you know what I I, I mean? There it's like uh... Mantronic. What is he okay, saying? Okay, maybe that was a bad example. Maybe uh something more. No, no, no. Gamora. But
0: but Mantronic is stupid as fuck though. But it's awesome. Right. I love it.
1: But uh now this, this is just this, this is total filler and uh I hate when total filler songs are buried at the end. And 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 this is a prime example. I'd rather have have one like in the middle than right at the end because it makes you, it makes you just want to turn the fucking record off. You know, and that that's what Man Eater does. And, I'd rather hear Maneater by fucking Hall & Oates than this fucking shit. But I love Hall & Oates. Uh, Yeah, Maneater. So far, I would say the worst song on the album.
0: Second favorite track. God damn, I love this one. It's an amazing fucking song. This is a deep track that I'll be honest with you, I did not take notice of at first because I'm fucking stupid. Kind of like you are now. But I wised up. What a smoking fucking song, man. As good as anything on the first side. It should have been on the first side. Maneater, born free I ride! Lyrics not as dark as side one, but musically, just as razor sharp and cutthroat. And fucking banali, bro. Fuck yeah! Schooled! Ian has been schooled! <laughs> I- I can't wait till the
1: drugs wear off and you listen to this one. <laughs>
0: Oh, shit, I said Maneater's my second favorite track. No, no, honestly, Ian, I'm saying this without joking around. Uh, Maybe you should, like, listen to it a few more times. Because, dude, I didn't get it at first. I just, like you, it's like, it's a filler song, whatever, I don't care. But, dude, I mean, I, I, but, all right, like I said earlier, I I did notes for this album. By doing notes, I actually sat down and listened to the album. Now, this is an album I shouldn't take notes for because I know this album well. And I remember liking Maneater. I remember thinking, yeah, this is a song I used to not really notice, and now I love it. And I' listening to it today, I was like, fuck, dude, this song is so much better than even back then when I when I finally thought on me how good it is. It's definitely filler. I mean, I'm sure they never played this song live, but I think Maneater is just fucking badass. And I'll take it over anything on this album uh, Oh, except for the title track, thank you.
1: Yeah. Wow, you you would you would take this over Heretic? Yes, yes. I wow. think it's and, st- and, and right. Mean Man.
0: Yes. Well, I told you. I told you. Remember, I said there's a song on here I like more than Mean Man coming up. Yeah, I
1: know. I was just. I'm, I'm hoping that the drugs either wear off or kick in and you change your mind. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, why don't you take the last song, Rebel in the
0: FDG. FDG, fucking decadent generation. Now, musically, this is more like Electric Circus. Kind of has a fun twist to it. A blatant ripoff in the chorus with, I'm a bad child, come and love me. I mean, it's like, why not just say wild child, right? You know, I think it would have been cooler. If, like, a, as a nod to the classic Wasp, you know, song, you know? Say wild child instead of bad child. What the fuck's up with that? That I don't get, but 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 I am nitpicking. It, it, it's still cool. Don't think it's as good as the as the other tracks on here, except for the mellow section in Forever Freaks that I hate. But best, best part of the song is like that spoken word, where sometimes I feel like an animal in the cage, pacing back and forth. I dig that, even though it, it's them repeating themselves. Uh, From that part of Thunderhead with the spoken word because it has the same structure I still think it's a cool song but you know it's down you know forever freeze the worst and then this would be the second worst and Maneater is fucking a hundred times better thank you all right hey and you know and and Maneater is another example why I should suck cock I should start man
1: Oh, here he comes. I should start. Had your yeah. cock.
0: <laughs> What's better? No chew it. What's better, <laughs> Hall & Oates man-eater or Wasp man-eater? Hall & Well, maybe it's you that needs the cock. Mm. So what do you think of Rebel in the FDG?
1: Oh, fucking retarded. Wow. Been re- retarded in the FDG. Uh, n- now, this is like to me this sucks away like all like the credibility he's trying to gain because this is just so fucking stupid and in the, really in the fucking decadent generation. I mean that's like Motley Crue like that this should have been a Nikki Six song. This should
0: have been on Bad Tattoo, a new tattoo.
1: <laughs> no, this should have been on fucking Brides of Destruction. That's how bad this shit is. This should have
0: been the B-side of fucking uh Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> <Man>, Brandon. <laughs> That's that Naked and Rebel Rebel
1: FTG split. Oh, man. And and, the thing is, go back. Well, I hate telling anybody to go back and listen to this song. But if you listen to it, not only does the chorus sound like Wild Child, but musically it sounds like Wild Child just sped up a little bit. Yeah.
0: Check it it out, because I noticed that, too. Like, even the chord structure. I got to listen to it. I I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, at least, I, I mean, I, I picked that up. Maybe I'm wrong, but it sounded like Wild Child sped up. But man, what what a fucking limp way to, to end this album, man. And if this album would have ended with the title track, like, and and fucking uh, Mephisto Waltz leading into it, wow. Wow.
0: Been, you're, you're a genius. That'd be cool. And, and, uh, and Ian, I got to say, I am surprised because I would have thought you liked this stupid song.
1: No, no, this this, this, is, this is too stupid for me. <laughs>
0: but I but I did predict if you listen to the beginning of this episode, I predicted you'd like uh uh forever free. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well I I, I told you that in the past. And and I
0: Oh, okay, you already knew that. Yeah, cuz the thing is that you're not a ballad guy, but yet I know the type of ballads you like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm I'm not a ballad guy, but there's some I like. And, and I'm more uh,
0: and I'm more of a ballad guy than you.
1: Yeah, Definitely. but you hate and you, and you hate the ballads that I love.
0: Yeah, it's because you like him for a heartbreak, right?
1: That that that's uh, top top five all time. I I
0: believe I remember, I recall you saying it's one of the greatest ballads ever written. Yes, and yes. I'm like, wow, dude. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I I love it. I, I I don't know what it is. I, I, I absolutely love that, and, and I think it transcends. I don't even look at it as like a cock rock song. I just look at it like, God damn, that is a
0: great fucking song. Wow. Then we're even, dude. You just yeah. schooled me on that. Yeah. I schooled yeah. you on Maneater. And you schooled me yeah. on Head and a Heartbreak.
1: Now we get into uh, the bonus track. Yeah,
0: there's three of them. Uh, four. What? Four. Okay, I'm missing yeah. one. I'm missing one. I'm sure okay. I know it, but
1: go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, the first one is a cover of Jethro Tull's Locomotive Breath um uh, it's okay it, it, it's okay uh not i mean, I mean nothing like changed here you know it's not like it reinvents the song or anything it's just a heavy metal version of locomotive run. Right? so if, if you like that you know chances are you'll like this and it's okay but i, I mean i'm glad it wasn't on the album what do you think ralph
0: i think you're nuts i think it's fucking amazing and you know not all the co- they do a lot of good covers like i love their cover of uh painted black that is like probably yeah. my favorite cover they've ever done
1: oh yeah that's a great one but uh, you know they've also done shitty ones like some some Bun to love yeah
0: I-, I remember that one and i didn't like mississippi queen but then again i don't like mississippi queen i'm sorry See, I-,
1: I loved mississippi queen but i love that song too
0: oh you like their version
1: yeah, I, I I love the original. I love their version. I think it's awesome.
0: Whole lot of Rosie was terrible.
1: Yeah, you, you heard yeah, that.
0: Was that? Bad. Well, yeah, locomotive breath is one of those that I fucking love. I think it's great, dude. I love that that that, that intro and the you know to me it's kind of like you know as good as Cross-eyed Mary by Maiden. It does doesn't sound like the original. It's different and it makes it more. I don't know, modernized metal. Better than the original? No, but I, I actually like Cross-Eyed Mary uh, better than Maiden's Version. But I love Maiden's Version, and I love I love what Was did to this song. I think it's fucking great. Yeah! Uh, I schooled you. Alright, two to one.
1: Alright, now the next one, uh, I have no fucking clue why this wasn't on the album, because this would be this would be the one that would be tied for my favorite song on the album uh, I put it right up there with with the title track and it's called for whom the bell tolls hmm. I think this is absolutely amazing I love the feeling of the song it's kind of like a, I, I, I wouldn't say a valid uh, but it's it's a slower song but it's more of a pounding slow song uh, Again, maybe not like Sleep in the Fire. It's just—it's like a slow, brooding song. Uh, I, I love Frankie McNally's drum work on it. And I know I've talked to you about this in the past. I know we don't agree. but Well, at least in the past we did it. But I think this would have been a definite standout track. In fact, I think this would have been uh, an incredible single that I think would have done better than The Real Me. And, and, and The Real Me kind of killed this album, too, because it didn't take off like... You know, really for shit. And, and, and then, uh, you know, at, at least in my area, I know you said it didn't get played too much in South Florida, but you heard Forever Free more on the radio than you did Real Me. But Real Me, I think you saw more on MTV. But still, you didn't see any of these videos outside of Headbangers Ball. They weren't like in regular rotation. But I think For Whom the Bell Tolls definitely has single potential, to my ears at least. I think it could have been a standout track. And I think it's a, a, a damn missed opportunity. What do you think, Ralph?
0: Did you know? And I guess you didn't know this because you don't like Crimson Idol. This song was recorded on Crimson Idol. It's called Boy Meets the Gypsy. They totally did this song again. But they made it a little more mellow. And instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of um, For Whom the Bell Tolls, they changed that line but everything else about the song same vocal structure same lyrics uh all this song is, is on the next album it's, so now that
1: now that you mentioned cuz I'm kind of hearing that song in my head yeah yeah i, I, I well i like it better like this that's for damn yeah true. and i don't
0: i don't like this
1: i think i know i i could have i could not believe that i could not believe that yeah
0: i don't like the song but i love the boy meets the gypsy I loved what he did with it wow. on the next album. Wow. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, you see, you schooled me again. All right, we're tied. But <laughs> uh, but I, I love this fucking song. I, I mean, I love The Boy Meets the Gypsy. And it's weird because I don't like the Crimson Idol. I'm kind of like with you on there. But, right. Well, it's called The Gypsy Meets the Boy. That's actually the name of the song. But I think it's, yeah. it's great. It's haunting. Um, w- listening to this song, this version... It's like, it's not bad, I'm not saying it's bad, but I don't like the chorus. I don't like for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for me. Uh, All I know is one other uh, bonus track, Lake of Fools. I don't know the other one.
1: There's another one called War Cry. That's after Lake of Fools. Fuck,
0: dude. Anyway, go ahead. What do you think of Lake of Fools? Yeah, there's- Lake of Fools, forgettable. I wouldn't go as far as saying sucks, but I do remember it's ballady, right?
1: i don't know dude it sucks it was so forgettable yeah it's forgettable i listened, forgettable. I listened to it twice and can't i couldn't tell you anything i, I it just it, it's total fucking filler i can see why it was left off
0: there we go all right what, what do you think of war crisis i don't even know that one and i see it right here in my playlist so i do have it but i, I don't remember it at all it,
1: it, it sounds like the same fucking song totally forgettable uh yeah sound like something off of fucking, uh, osmosis i don't know terrible Ew. Yeah. Not that bad, huh? Well, there was two more bonus tracks on this, but it's really not... They're just live versions it's, from Hammersmith Odeon.
0: And it sounds horrible. No, isn't it Donington? I could have sworn no, that was uh, Donington.
1: Ham- 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 Hammersmith Odeon.
0: Oh, then, then it must have been Crimson Idol that has the Donington songs. Yes. Because yes. those sound terrible. It's like, I can't believe they released it, you know? Yeah. They're very, very bad.
1: Yeah, I love Machine and Blind in Texas, and, you know, they're definitely uh these aren't the versions to check out uh but that is uh headless cross i mean headless cross headless children uh released april 89 it made it to number 48 on the billboard charts uh did not really set the world on fire i mean this band was kind of poised to take over with uh last command but that's really really where they peaked i think uh, Inside the Electric Circus came out, didn't do bad, but it didn't do as good as the first two. And uh, the you know the live album was pretty much a stopgap that you know did so so. But this album they tried changing direction, it didn't change their fortunes, and this was really really the end for Wasp as a force in the metal scene. I mean, after this, they were really just a cult band. Even though I still love them, and you know nothing will ever change what Wasp means to me. But, uh, man, Blackie, uh, what a piece of shit as a, as a person. Uh, he's horrible to his fans. He's horrible to his bandmates. And it makes perfect sense that he's a born-again Christian. And uh, will no longer perform uh, Animal. Uh, even uh, when he does Chainsaw Charlie, he changes the lyrics to avoid cursing. No way. He does? Yeah. Yep. Fucking yeah, dick. Yeah, he won't even curse anymore. Don't
0: do that, man. Don't man. And, uh, that upsets me.
1: And you know, and everybody gets older and you know, you know a lot of people make fun of his appearance cuz he is a you know, a large man now and unfortunately, he looks like that Abby Lee Miller chick from uh, Dance Moms. <laughs> but uh Never seen it. Know, there's some very unflattering uh, you know, pictures of him on the internet now. But I mean, he is 60 years old. And it it does look weird because he still wears the eye makeup and he has five chins, uh, you know, and and, and a stretched-out Raiders jersey. Uh, So he looks like me. Uh, (laughs) But uh, minus the eye makeup and and three chins. But, uh, yeah, it's sad. I mean, if Wasp came around here, I'd go see him in a heartbeat, but I know I'd be let down. I never got to see him in their heyday. Uh, My first tour, I believe, was... uh, was probably Dying for the World, and I, I've seen him a couple times since. Um, but if you go see him now, half the show's a medley, you know, The, uh, you know, and I hate that shit, you know, they'll just play like a, you know, uh, one song will be four verses of four different songs, and I can't stand that kind of shit. They're short shows to begin with, too, and he's got that stupid-ass microphone that he stands no, on. No, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do that no more. Oh, he got rid of that thick finally. Yeah, you know, you know it
0: for a while, because when I opened for him uh, during, uh, I think that was the last time. No, he didn't even have it that night. He 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 got rid of it uh, by 2010 or 11.
1: Oh well, I mean, I mean, there was even venues that he couldn't, they they couldn't bring that thing in because the stage wouldn't hold it. It was so fucking heavy and fucking stupid.
0: It's it's pretty impressive how he gets on it and goes back and forth, and that shit don't break. Yeah, but you, you know what it looks like, though? It just reminds me of those
1: one of those things you see on a playground. You know, it's like an elephant on a spring, and you sit on it, rock back and forth. All right. You know, it's like, this is fucking retarded. Where's the fucking, uh, where's the codpiece with the blade and, you know, rockets shooting out your ding-dong? You know, that's
0: what I was... <laughs> You know, that, of... that classic line where he had rockets coming out of his crotch and he burned himself? And he's backstage, yeah. like the medics are there, and he goes, "You know, if we wrote better songs, I wouldn't have to do this shit."
1: Yeah,
0: I love that. <laughs> that's pretty fun. That was during Electric Circus time, though. By the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and man, I would have gave anything to see him on uh, those first, you know, the first four tours actually, uh, but but specifically the first three where it was much more a theatrical well, show. I saw
0: the first two, and I took a lot of pictures of the first time I saw him, where they completely blew away Quiet Riot.
1: <laughs> um, uh, you didn't see him on uh, Inside the Electric Circus? Didn't come here uh, You, you didn't, Well, who opened up for uh, Maiden on the Somewhere in Time tour when you saw him? Was it Vinnie Vincent?
0: No, it was uh, Yngwie Malmsteen Oh, okay Yep. Okay. And Yngwie Malmsteen did not have a bass player that night and, Oh, wow And what was really odd about that show that was the Trilogy album but singing on the uh, uh that night was Jeff Scott Soto. Oh really? Yes, yeah, so Jeff Scott Soto was singing that night and it was a trilogy album. And I understand Mark Bowles Mark Bowles is on I see the light tonight video.
1: Right, right. Like, and it's, it's Mark, and Jeff Scott Jeff Soto. Scott is singing.
0: Just like the Vinnie Vincent thing with uh Fleischman and uh Slaughter. Wow. wow. All right.
1: Alrighty. Well that is uh that is Wasp. So, uh, Ralph, do you have a pick of the week?
0: Oh, fuck, no. Go ahead. I'll get on my iPod. I'll find something.
1: All right. Well, my pick of the week, uh, while we're talking about Blackie Lawless, uh, you know, and we mentioned his Pete Townsend obsession, uh, I'll give people a real reason to be obsessed with Pete Townsend. And I can't remember if this made it on my uh, top live albums, if it did not it should have, because this is one of the greatest albums of all time and that's Live at Leeds
0: oh my god
1: and this is just a phenomenal and I would recommend this even to people like oh, I'm not not a big Who fan check this out because it is amazing they also have a version now that's like a a 4 CD box set of uh, you know the complete dates that they recorded that's amazing uh very very powerful and a real live record that that, that holds its own and uh, that's almost unheard of uh but this this is a classic album who Live at Leeds? that's my pick of the week
0: that's a great pick and I I really need to look into the expanded version because uh, it's worth it
1: yeah worth well it. I'm sure man
0: I mean God they were so that's such a man that album man, young man blues
1: oh god. All it, right. it it it's been off often covered but nobody even comes close to the Who's version.
0: Yep. It's uh, just unbelievable. All right, my pick of the week is uh, a an album from 2008. Uh band's called Toxic Holocaust and the album, Oh yeah. The album's called An Overdose of Death. Uh it's yeah. it's it's thrashy uh dirty uh killer shit. Uh look it up. Uh, go on YouTube and watch their video for nukes across awesome shit wild dogs fucking future shock war game grave lord war hell. what a great album feedback bloody distortion city of a million graves if you love the thrash and this is like more hardcore thrash like hardcore thrash everything before is great hell on earth is fucking awesome too evil never dies but i think this is their pinnacle uh, i i like Conjurer Command, you know, somewhat, but I think Overdose of Death is kind of like their, their statement, you know, and I, I think that's the one with the, I say that one because dude, I actually like Hell on Earth a little more, but Overdose of Death is a little more catchy, that I think it would like cater more to our listeners than, uh, than and stuff like Hell on Earth and Evil Never Dies, which is very dirty and Death Matters, Critical Mass, all it's just, very nasty, dirty, grindy shit. So if you like that shit like that, then there you go. So that's my pick of the week. Toxic Holocaust, Overdose to Death. And may I add, Joel Brian was headbanging to us when we played Puerto Rico. And then I went up to him with a video camera and I had him on video saying, you guys are fucking awesome. Said,
1: right. right on. Yeah, uh, I love Toxic Holocaust. And if you like them, some newer, uh, like thrashier bands like that that I really enjoy, Havoc is another one. Havoc
0: is amazing. Uh,
1: Love Havoc and also Suicide Angels. Suicide Uh, Angels,
0: badass.
1: Yeah, from Greece. Really good band. Really good band. Great, great pick, by the way, Ralph. Thank you. you. All right, well, now we go into Fan of the Week. And Fan of the Week this week, he's uh, a newer guy, but not too new. But uh, really active on the Facebook page, and that is Evan Siegel. And, uh, Evan, man, you you post a lot, you respond a lot, and that's what we ask for, man. We, this last, like, two or three months, we've had so many people join, uh, but as always, some people just join, some people join to promote shit, and some people become active members of the page, and Evan Siegel, that's what you've done. Uh, thank you, brother. You are our fan of the week.
0: I believe Evan, if I, if, if I'm wrong, yeah, I'm wrong. But uh, I believe Evan is a constant uh, listener of the Dr. Fuck Show. Because there is somebody, Evan, that's there. every. He's been on the show every week for not that long. A faithful listener to my show. And uh, and also a winner. If, if some of you don't know this, Dr. Fuck Show has giveaways. And what I give away is you pick it, dude. Because I am a big collector of bootleg DVDs and stuff. And I'm like, yo name a band you love and chances are I got a really cool complete like DVD of that band and I give away DVDs like every week and and I've, I've given away the Merciful Fake Tribute Vinyl I've given away uh, the Th- Thrasher eye CD Combat CD uh, I also want to say that Combat broke up what? yeah Unfortunately. wow and, and, and here's something has nothing to do with me but here's the good news Combat may have broken up, but the music will continue because all that all that music that we wrote um, with Ryan, like I wrote like over 10 songs with Ryan, and one song called "Dismay," I think is the greatest song I ever wrote, uh, is gonna see the light of day because I had a talk with the drummer uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, and uh, what do you call it, Rich, the the most amazing bass player I know, uh, that we're gonna carry on without Ryan. And, um, and Mario, Mario and Ryan. We had two guitar players. Um, and I will say this, you know, the reason that we're gonna, I, I love Ryan. By the way, Ryan was here at my house last night because I was doing overtime at work and he called me that he got robbed on the beach. And I went and picked him up. Him and his really cute girl that he was with. And they spent the night at my house. They left already, but um, he hates the drummer. And he really doesn't want to do anything with the drummer anymore. and. That's why combat's not gonna be no more. And I refuse to carry on without Ryan and call it combat. So I got Ryan's blessings to use his music. Uh, So we are gonna, we are gonna carry on, but we are now on the hunt for that guitar player. And the guitar player that we find is gonna be great. If you're great, you don't have to write shit. We already got an album for you to learn. So combat broke up, but we gotta come up with a word name. And here's something. I'll do a, and I'm gonna do a contest on my radio show, on my regular Facebook page, and on the and Metal Combat podcast. If you want uh, the vinyl, I'll give you anything you want that I got. It's either you can pick the vinyl, the CDs, or any bootleg you want. If you can come up with a band name that I like, because Ripjaw. Was from a guy called Emil that always listens to my radio show. He came up with that name. So I'm looking for, and this is what I want. I want a name that is like kind of like Ripshaw. Like if you type it in Google, you won't find another like word that'll match it. Because you know, you type in combat, you're not gonna find my band. You're gonna find road Spray, and you know, like you know, War Footage or whatever. So I want something like Ripshaw, something original. So good luck to y'all. Savage Animal. All right, contest over. You win. I hope Sebastian Bach don't get mad.
1: Yeah. And, and, and also, check out the Wadzilla Rock Show, because I have giveaways, too. I, I, I give away listeners, because they listened for about two minutes and go, this sucks, let me check out Ralph's show.
0: That's not true. Your show's fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> I love your show. Uh, thank you, brother. Uh, but uh, I unfortunately can't make it to the post office, so I, I don't give away shit. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But, uh... But all right, so there's our pick of the weeks, so our fan of the weeks. So let's do some plugs. Listen
0: to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Ear Peeler the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal based podcasts. You'll find everything from music based episodes, interviews to series such as ultra sexy classic album series where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Alright, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting kissed. The KISS Audio fanzine for your ears
1: that's right it's your podcast every month the podcast crew along with the kiss room brings you kiss talk like no one else whether it be roundtables interviews with the band past and present analysis and great kiss fun hi this is jace
0: fraley and you're listening to podcast hi this is bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. the podcast the kiss audio fanzine for your ears Music's most diverse podcast Starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany New episodes released every Saturday On Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes The true alternative podcast Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through so join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you you download your podcast. Alright,
1: well if you enjoyed this uh, incredible wasp-tastic episode, and we know you did, come back next week, where legendary frontman Blackie Lawless joins us, and also with Michael Sweet by his side. Wow. We're not, yeah, we're not going to review an album, but they're going to try to save our souls.
0: Oh, that's awesome. It'll work that's, for me. That's I'm, a, that's I'm, a he- I'm there already, man. I love the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Uh, and and I worship David Lee Roth, so let's see if they can fight to save our souls. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.
0: All right, now it's time to review the 1989 classic, The Headless Children from Wasp. That I know, I know the year of that one, Ian. Right? I'm right,
1: right? Yes, you are correct.
0: Sir. Yeah, I know that yes. shit. Cause this album means so much to me. I love this fucking album. This is a a total tongue bath on the ass of the headless children on my part this week. Because this album is fucking awesome. The only thing I fucking hate, because I'm holding it in my hand, and I hate when bands do this, dude. You look at the album, you turn it around, and there's Blackie Lawless, Johnny Rod, and Chris Holmes. No Frankie Frankie Benally. Don't you hate when bands do that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he wasn't uh, an official member,
0: though. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Dude, he wasn't an official member, but the motherfucker, like, put fucking dynamite up their ass because... I don't care what you say. This motherfucker's way better than uh, Stephen Riley.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, you know, totally different uh, style of drumming, too. I mean, Stephen Riley's perfect for, like, you know, the sleaze rock stuff that they were doing. But this is much more like a metal metal album, and uh, you know this this his drumming here is even heavier than he did on Quiet Riot. I mean, this is some real powerhouse drumming. Fuck yeah!
0: And it just adds so much to the songs. And but I'll get into like you know what I think of this album overall while we're talking about it. But I will say this: I heard uh, I'm a little hazy on when I first heard this album. I mean. I bought it when it first came out I know that but uh, I it could be the real me it could have been the video the first thing I saw was the real me and I was like oh wow that was cool you know but then when I bought the album it was like "Bro, it's like it knocked me off my chair I was like fucking a now this is the direction they should have taken after the first album I know you disagree because we had a little conversation and Ian uh, Ian says that he doesn't like it as much as I do. But, um... I think... See... It, I I think it's the second best Wasp album. Because, for me, nothing will ever top the first Wasp album. I mean, I don't know. You never never say never. Maybe the next album that... Uh, that Blackie releases will be better than the first album. <laughs> I made a funny...
1: Yeah, that happened.
0: So, um... Yeah... I think it's it's a total, it's a great direction they went in. The, even though, like, it's night and day from the last album, Electric Circus. But, and it's also night and day from the second, the first album, uh, uh, Wasp. The thing is that if you listen to Last Command, Last Command sounds like the perfect progressive album after, um, Uh, the wasp album because it's got that same vibe party sleaze type shit where heretic is very very serious there's absolutely no sleaze on this album anywhere anywhere where and then the third album inside electric circus which I will say I like better now than I used to Um, I think it's 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 a solid album with some good tracks but I think Headless Children just demolishes those two albums badly. And and I think it's a better, it, it still sticks out like a sore thumb. It's still worse. I mean, it's still not in the same uh, vein as the first album, but the first album did have like Hellion, uh, Tormentor, and uh, Torture Never Stops, which is more in the vein of this album, where in this album, it it's pretty much a fucking departure of everything else on the first Lost Album and the last two albums. But there is a couple hints of the last two albums on this album. Well, I think just one And we'll get into that. But, uh, yeah, I love this fucking album. Head of His Children rocks! What do you think? Uh, I,
1: I I loved it when it came out, and I, I still like it. I think it's the last uh, classic Wasp. When this came out, I was at the height of my Wasp fandom. I mean, they were probably, uh, I would say definitely my top five back then. Cause to me, they were like an X rated kiss because they were so about their show and they were so like, uh, notorious for their lyrics and everything. And they, they, they were the bad boys. You know, I, re- my first issue of hit parader, which I recently rebought uh, about two years ago. Uh, it had, uh, Blackie Lawless and Michael Sweet on the cover and it was like good versus evil and man I just fell in love with the first thing I heard was the cover of uh, I Don't Need No Doctor went out and bought Inside the Electric Circus and Iron Maiden Somewhere in Time on the same day and just fell in love with both of those and, you know went back and got uh, through Columbia House I got the first album and I got uh uh, Last Command, and then, you know, had to go to the record store to get the, the, the single for Fuck Like a Beast, because back then you couldn't get it on the on the original album, and it was huge, man, to, to me, and I loved uh, Live in the Raw, I thought it was amazing, played the shit out of that, but this is the first studio album that I was waiting for, you know, waiting for it to come out, and I remember, you know, back then everything came out on a Tuesday, but I had to wait to the weekend to get records, uh, and I remember riding my bike. I didn't even have my driver's license yet. Riding my bicycle uh, to the record store, and I was there like a half hour early, just waiting for them to open so I could go in and get the new Wasp. Had of taken? Yeah. All right. And uh, and 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 I loved it. I, I loved the heaviness, but then at the same time I was like, I was like, man, th- this is different. And I already knew it was going to be different because i had heard. Uh, the real me, and at that time, I'd never heard Quadrophenia, Uh, you know, I knew it was a Who cover, but I'd never heard Quadrophenia, and I was kind of like, what's, this sounds like way different than, uh, than other Wasp, I was like, man, where's the, you know, where's the chicks, where's the sleaze, where's the evil, this is just kind of, it's heavy, but it's weird, and, but when I got it, I played the shit out of it, I mean, for a long time, and, uh, you know, then they went up through the lineup changes and fucking uh, the horribly, horribly overrated uh, Crimson Idol came out. I was like, uh, You know, but I stuck with Wasp through the years. Every time a new Wasp album came out, and still to this day, I still get it, and I still have hope. Really? And us- yeah, and usually I'll like one or two tracks. But uh, to me, this was like, this was really the end of the classic era of Wasp. They, they never... Got back what they had uh, on the first album through this one, uh, you know, and and you know my opinion has changed on some songs and some some haven't, but uh, we'll get into that as we go track by track. But Ralph, why don't you take the the opener, Heretic, the Lost Child?
0: Uh, right off the bat, you hear a difference. This is not like any WAS song before. It's got a eerie intro and uh and then like when the vocals kick in dude I, it's not like I'm complaining because I really do love this song but I felt I feel like the vocals came in a little too soon I think there should have been a little bit more of a build up and there's a kind of whack there's some wacky changes on here that kind of don't make sense And and I hate saying this because I love this song but it doesn't I don't know there's just I think they should have spent a little more time on it but it's weird cuz I, I see flaws in the song yet I still love it and uh, you know but 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 the the sound of it it's not too rocky rolly like you know the albums you know uh, uh, before and, and I think this song is way ahead of anything wasp has done technically you know uh, and some of some parts of this song, it sounds very maidenish, and I don't know if that has to do with uh, Rods Rod Stigward. Is that his name? Or Stig- Smallwood. Smallwood. <laughs> Smallwood. He's got a little dick. <laughs> but maybe that had something to do with this. But um, I think Finale and Holmes go ape shit at the end, and I think that brings it home. I think it's a smoking tune. Flaws and all. Warts and all, I think it's a great fucking song. It's just... I don't know. I think it it should have been a little more worked on. And the next album, uh, Crimson Glory, has a a bonus track called uh, The Phantom Mirror or The Mirror. I forgot. That's a complete ripoff of this song. Go figure. Anyway, I love it. Heretic Lost Child. I'll pass it to you, Ian.
1: All right. Well, this one and another track always go... Back and forth for my favorite, and uh, you know, you hit it right on the head about how it it, right away you know something different's going on here, you know, and and you mentioned like the maiden element and uh, and definitely a progressive element, and I think there's two things that influence that. One is having uh, Ken Hensley from Uriah Heep on keyboards on this. Oh my um, God!
0: Look, I swear to God, I did not know that and i even say later on there's a uriah Heep feel on keyboards on one of the songs that's weird man
1: oh you, you didn't know that huh? i
0: had no idea I swear
1: yeah black blackie was a big uriah Heep fan because blackie you know blackie was older than anybody else in the band uh, you know and really he cut his teeth in the late 60s early 70s i mean that was his era of music and he loved him so much i mean I, you know, on the previous album, uh, Inside the Electric Circus, they do a cover of Uriah Heap's Easy Living, you know. And, and then that's where, you know, he got the idea, like, fuck you know, I'd love to have kid play on an album. So he, he played keyboards on this album. And another thing that might have influenced it was they also, not only did they have the same manager as Maiden, but on the uh, the previous tour, the Inside the Electric Circus tour, they were opening up for Iron Maiden on the Somewhere in Time tour. So some of that could have rubbed off. Uh, And I get what you say about the weird changes. I I think you're right. The the song does kind of uh, overreach a a little bit. I think he's just trying to show so bad that, hey, we're doing something new and different. That you're right. If they would have spent more time, they could have restrained it. But I think he's just trying to impress you right off the bat.
0: It's too, it's too abrupt, don't you agree? Like, the, the changes, it's, like, it's too abrupt. It's like, bam! Yeah, it, it's like, it, yeah, it, no build-up. No build-up. Yeah. Even like I said, when the vocals kick in, there's no build-up, you know?
1: It, it seems forced just to show you, hey, look, we're throwing a curveball here. I agree uh, with you
0: 100%, yet it still works for me. I don't know, I'm Yeah, it.
1: Yes, yeah. It, it works if you appreciate what they're trying to do, and it's, and it's cool, because especially in an era where... Uh, music was getting lighter. It wasn't getting heavier. I mean, what Wasp did here is much like Skid Row did with "Slave to the Grind." You know, when everything yeah. else went lighter, they're like, "Hey, well, no, we're not going to do that." And uh, even though there is a song on here, you know, Blackie was talking about, you know, going into the riding of this, how how pissed he was because he said music was getting lighter. He said record companies were signing anybody, and it wasn't metal at all anymore. And he was tired of the record company pressure. Plus, you know, uh, he said all the death threats he was getting at that time. Because Wasp, I mean, you know, they were on the, the nasty 15 or whatever. And, and there was bomb threats and death threats at their shows. And he said all this shit was building up inside of them. Plus, you've got uh, turmoil in the lineups. You know, they, they had lost Randy Piper. And, uh, you know, he switched to guitar. And Johnny Rod came in. And Steve Riley quit the band after the last tour to join L.A. Guns. So he's got all this turmoil going on and he said he kind of put that into the record But uh I I think I think this is a great track and uh and a hell of a way to start the album.
0: I hate I hate the fact that he changed the guitar. You know? Yes, I do I do too. I, I do. love Blackie as a bass player. I mean, that's he he looks like a bass player like, you know, the Gene Simmons type deal and right. and, and it just fits him better. I seen him on guitar even like look at him wearing a guitar it doesn't look as cool as when he would wear that was uh, that bc rich spider bass he had dude i yeah. love fucking original loss dude
1: oh oh it, i i agree and, and it changed the sound too
0: it was actually uh, electric circus where he switched the guitar
1: yes 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 when Ra- randy piper left uh because he never wanted to play bass he has a very low opinion of bass and bass players he's called the bass a tube of ignorance. A, said bass. Yes,
0: a tool of yeah. ignorance on a hard and heavy video. You he said that.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the, that live in the raw shit. I think he says it on there too. Maybe, oh, maybe it was
0: there where he said it, yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, so, so you can see there, uh, he kind of thinks too much of himself already. You, you know, it's like, oh, I'm too cool to play bass, but I thought Wasp had a much cooler sound when you had Chris Holmes and Randy Piper, you know, guitar-wise, that... And what you had with him, and I think it's it's just too much Blackie. But, uh,
0: and really, the, does he really stand out as a rhythm guitar player? No, no,
1: I'm bored.
0: uh,
1: but uh, this is a great track, like I said. This and another one, I go back and forth, uh, as far as my favorites, and I, I still love this song, Warts and All, much like you said.
0: But you know, but, you know, <laughs> if you think about it though, it's like The Heretic, The Lost Child, it's such a badass song that. Oh my God, imagine if they would have really took the time and perfected it with the changes really making sense. A kick-ass song as Heretic could be even better. It's scary to think how cool it could have been, right? Oh yeah, I agree. I should fucking cover the song and fix it from black.
1: (laughs) There you go. Alright, well then we go into their cover of The Who's, The Real Me. Uh, This one never did it for me. Never, never get it. I, I'm not a fan of the Who song either, and I'm not that big a Quadrophenia fan. Fucking a! Uh, wow. Uh, I, I like the album. I don't, I don't think it's horrible, but uh, I, 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 don't get the concept of it. Uh, you know, of course I love Love Rain Over Me and stuff, but uh,
0: I am one man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's some good songs. I don't hate the album. I don't hate the album at all. But I'd take uh Tommy and definitely Who's Next. Uh, uh, a thousand times over, o- over I, I,
0: I'm not a big fan of Tommy.
1: Yeah, I I, I I love Tommy. I mean, I like Who's Next. You know, to me, to me, that's the best. Who's
0: thing Next? Seen. Holy fuck! What a great album. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, and, and, and to and to me, it was kind of a, uh, you know, Quadrophenia was a step down, and I know that's an unpopular uh who opinion.
0: Yeah, you sure at, you get laid
1: everybody from Justin Childers to Eddie Vedder thinks that's the best fucking record ever made hey man it's
0: to me it's a toss up with that and who's next I mean yeah. I love Quadrofina is a great kicking back listening to album I love it but yeah hey, teach, uh, yeah. teach it something yeah, buddy. yeah like I said I'm, I'm not hating on
1: it I'm just saying it, it, it's not a go to album for me and hey maybe years later I'll change my opinion but you know I've tried to force myself into it because I'm like well everybody else loves it you know you know, uh, I guess I just need to listen to it again. It, it's still just never, it's never bit me yet. But not to say that won't change, but.
0: Yeah, that, anybody that... that likes The Who, it's like, okay, quieter for takes to take some twists and turns, but boy, really, it's kind of weird that a, a Who fan would go, yeah, Who's Next is Overrated. Because that's, that's a fucking album, bro.
1: Hey, if, if I remember, I could be wrong here, but I think Justin Childers is one of those. Really? Yeah, I. I, I I could be wrong here, but I think he's kinda like uh what we'll dude's next. Hey,
0: did you see what somebody posted on the combat page today? What's that? It's amazing. It's a it's footage of last night or maybe two nights ago, uh the Who played and uh they played We Don't Get Fooled Again and, and Pete Townsend did the knee slide, dude. What? Well, it was for a seventy year old man he did the knee slide. Right. And, and he cut his forehead. I don't know how though. He cut his forehead before the knee slide. Uh, go check. It. It's great footage. It's a great footage of them doing. We don't get fooled again. And yes, he did a knee slide. Damn. It, man, it, was make, sure. it was maybe like three inches the knee slide, but still a <laughs> knee slide. Yeah.
1: Yes. Dad. Did he did he get up on his own or did? Somebody- yeah.
0: He got back wow. up. He got back up on his own and like fucking I I don't know like thirty seconds later did the windmill like seventeen times. Holy shit. It was unbelievable. I saw the. Who, when was it? Two years ago. Unbelievable, man.
1: Yeah, What oh, a great awesome. band.
0: What an amazing fucking band. Uh, awesome. Okay, go ahead. Well, back to Wasp.
1: Yeah, uh, back to the song. Uh, again, I, it, much like the Who album, you know, it, it's covered from. I don't hate the song, but it wasn't what I wanted from Wasp at that time. I mean, it was really like, okay, yeah, I like the, the bass sound. was cool, you know, but uh, even the video, I was like, ah, uh, where, where's titties? I want titties. Oh, there were There's titties.
0: Pin- there were titties in the show. Nah,
1: well, there was a chick, but it was more about this pouting kid yeah, slamming car doors. Yeah, head. but that bitch I, was hot, man. I want pentagrams and, and fucking tit. You know, I want I want the Love Machine video every time.
0: Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you I know. Want- I, I can't I can't argue there.
1: Yeah. What, know, a great, I,
0: I, what a great what a great video. It's total yeah. total cheese, stupid, horrible. But that's the best type of video
1: right but this one you got an angry kid it's like a goddamn uh you know jeremy spoke in class today shit i don't want to hear your fucking problems yeah but dude you, got,
0: in, you in, and play the titties in the middle of a black and white video there's this really hot bitch with a fucking tank top that's in color and oh boy that that girl's ultra hot i think she saves the video but i have a different opinion on the song but go ahead
1: but uh no nah, that's basically it i want titties and pentagrams and uh and then this is this is kind of like some wah-wah uh, shit, nobody understands me. I ain't got time for that shit.
0: Alright, um, I love it. I, I think it's an amazing cover. Um, Blackie said in an interview that Pete Townsend wrote them, saying how much he loved it, and Blackie framed it. Now, if that's true, then I agree with Pete. Not very different than the original. I mean, it does have, like, you know, some da 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 That part's, like, a little different. After the solo, or there's no solo on the song, right? I don't think so. But, uh, but uh, that's good because the original version is perfect to me. And changing it in any way will not make it any better. Uh, and the original is just fucking perfect. And an amazing opening track off my favorite album from The Who, which I say sometimes it is, you know. I, I flip flop with that and, and he's next. Uh, I think it's a solid 10. I think they nailed it. Now, it's it, it does have, it strays a little bit because I feel like this album is kind of like a concept album, but there's a couple songs that are not not very part of the concept, but it is an album that's very pissed off uh, at the world, at the world situation and in the human race. And I think the real me uh, lyrically fixed that but it also has a tinge of good time rock, where the rest is kind of darker. Where there is a couple more good time rock songs, but I love it. I think the real me is great. The next track is the, is the title track. And, uh, Correct. And it is my favorite track off the album. It's one of my all-time favorite um, uh, Was songs. And, and unlike other episodes, I took notes. I don't know why, I just took notes. I said, I'm going to take notes for this. So this is what I said. So epic with the Sabbathy intro, with the evil screeches, the Uriah Heat-type keyboards ending the intro that goes into the crunching heavy metal verses. See that? And I, I even thought, of, I, right? I swear to you, I didn't know that that it was a guy from Uriah badass social commentary type lyrics something they never did before and unfortunately later albums they would carry on the same tradition that wasn't as effective as this because after this blocky kept like giving his two cents and believe me man you know put it back in your pocket i think here he kind of nails it uh whether you agree with him or not or whether i agree with him or not which i kind of do on this one but um i think he nails it you know Time bomb in the hands of the Wicked War, babies. I think that's just badass. Blackie nails it. This is a amazing song. I love the fucking, it's just so heavy metal. And I I don't know if you know this, Ian, but I love the heavy metal. Oh, yeah? Yeah, love it, love it. <laughs> and this song is very traditional heavy metal. My favorite type of heavy metal is this. And you got your little, you know, uh, classic Uriah Heat, a tinge thrown in it and then goes and dude. One thing man, love Blackie or not, man, what a fucking voice on this guy. I love Blackie Lawless's voice. It's unique, I mean you hear it, you know it's him. Unlike me, people think I'm Sousa from Exodus. But <laughs> but Blackie Lawless is such an amazing vocalist and I think he really does showcase the strength of his vocals on Headless Children. I just and and the lyrics and and, and the, the, the melody to the headless children. To the night, feel the night. I can't remember the lyrics now, but God damn man, what a great fucking song. Maybe it is my all-time favorite Wasp song, if I really, like, have to think about it. Other than a ballad that sounds nothing like Wasp that I want to talk about later, that would probably be my favorite Wasp song, but it's not Wasp to me, so. I would say, like, a, a true... Wah song, I'd say Heaven's Children is the best Wah song ever. Thank
1: you. Alrighty. Well, this would be my favorite track on the album as well. Uh, you know, and I always went back and forth between Heretic and this, but nine times out of ten, this song wins. And I just love the way it starts out. Those fucking drums, then when you hear Ken Hensley on those keys at, it's because my dad raised me on uriah heath and, you know his big comment i've said this a million times you know he the 80s metal that i listened to he's he said ah oh, it sounds like bad uriah heat to me and uh let me let he, me
0: ask you something Ian. Um, Yeah, i can't get into uriah heat bro it, it, is it
1: is it because of david bryan is it because no of
0: no i like his vocals okay um i bought what everybody claims like best on magician's <laughs> birthday Right. I bought that on vinyl. Uh, uh, I don't know. I bought a Mugab, a, 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 Goom-gob, a Goom-gob. Yeah, 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 a, yeah.
1: But that—that's like almost Night Ranger.
0: Yeah, that's uh, very commercial. I bought that album only because of that album cover. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and there is a song that—that's that, just the way that it is. I do love that, that song.
0: That, that I have a video for that. And yeah. and I saw that lineup open for Judas oh, yeah. Priest. So oh, I, nice. So I and here's here's the ironic twist of it. When I saw Ozzy Osbourne, Randy Rhodes was at the Sunrise Musical Theater with Tommy Aldridge and uh, Rudy Sarzo. Then uh, a year later, or a little over a year later, I saw uh, Uriah Heep play the same place with Lee Kerslake and Bob Daisley.
1: There you go. Isn't that
0: weird? Same venue, same right uh, rhythm section. Great, but you know what? It's right. I, I I gotta listen to it more. Yeah, I, I mean it's definitely an acquired
1: taste, and they're one of those bands, like, if somebody says, oh, I don't get it, uh, you know, I'm not gonna judge it, because it is different. A lot of people, some people have problems with David uh, Bryan's vocals, who, you know, was their original singer through, I believe, not, like 1977. So he,
0: he's on Magician's birthday.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, he, I he, don't
0: he, I don't recall not liking his voice. I thought he's was, he was a good singer.
1: Yeah, but, but I mean, it, it is a weird mixture, because, I mean, they are you know, they were around at the birth of heavy metal, you know, so, you know, so there was no rules back then to what was heavy metal, and they definitely had, you know, more progressive elements, I mean, you had the, you know, you know, one of the biggest stars of the band was their keyboard player, you know, which, I mean, Deep Purple was kind of like that with, with John Lord, too, but, uh, you know, they definitely, they were kind of more like Hawkwindish, uh, you know, progressive-type rock. But uh, you, know, you know, they're one of those bands I got to be in the mood for. And sometimes I'm in the mood, sometimes I'm not. But I, I respect them, uh, and I respect what you know. They were there at the creation of this shit that we love, and obviously Blackie uh, totally respected them too. And and just the way that sounds, it's the perfect. Like you, you couldn't imagine hearing that song without those keyboards, you know. And uh, and what I love is that you know they sound like '70s keyboards. You know, it sounds like Deep Purple or Uriah Heep. It doesn't sound like Final Countdown or Bon Jovi or anything. You know, it's definitely got more of an organ feel to it, and you uh, know, it's just and 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 again, the drumming by Frank Benali is just so pounding and powerful and like, yeah. I mean, here's like, it is. It's like Uriah Heep and Sabbath, and you know, you you were spot on about Blackie Lawless's vocals, man, because that guy. Like you said, you you know right away it's Blackie. And the funny thing is, as heavy as his vocals are, I don't think anybody can do a a more beautiful ballad than him, too. When he does a ballad, it's just, he's got a real, like, I don't know, evil way to delete, you know, a song like Sleeping in the Fire uh, is just as powerful without being cheesy. And, uh... Yeah, absolutely love it. My favorite track on the album.
0: You're intelligent. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, you know, I want I want to bring up something about uh Frankie Banali for a second, because uh, I'm looking at my CD right now, Heaven's Children. It's signed by Black uh, Frankie. Um, when I saw Quiet Riot uh, like in the 2000s, you know, and he signed that CD for me, and that was all too. it. You know, we had a little talk, Frankie. Yeah, I love you. You know, sign my shit. And that was the end of it. You know, and I walk away. I went to go t- talk to Kevin or, you know, they were all there hanging out, Carlos, Kevin, Rudy. And then I go into the, there's this patio area at the culture room. And all of a sudden I get a tap on my back and it's Frankie Benali, And he goes, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be on the next Wasp album. Well, ain't that cool? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what, I can't tell you which album that is, but Black uh, Frankie did play on a future Wasp album. All right, you take the next one.
1: Alright, the next one. Thunderhead. Uh. It's a good song. Uh. I wouldn't call it a great song. Uh. It has one thing that does annoy the piss out of me, and that's the, like, the Twisted Sister gang vocals. You know, the, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Uh. It, 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 I, I just find, like, very dated and, uh, and, and kind of stupid. But, uh. It's it's not a horrible song, but you know I, I like the real me better than this one. And uh, you know it's it's kind of I like the, you know the spoken word part. You know I believe this song was written about a like like just an insane guy who who was a was a bomber. And uh, you know that's supposed to be like the voices in his head telling him what to do and shit. Uh, again, not not a horrible track.
0: A bomb uh, a bomber? You said. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, what's a bomber?
1: Like a, a guy in a plane, bombing thing? No, no 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 like uh like like the unibomber or something you know, like a guy just blowing up buildings and shit oh, okay. like that. Uh, setting off bombs. Oh you know, that I, sp- that's that spoken word is like the mad voices in his head that makes him do what he does.
0: I could have sworn uh, I mean you may be right, but I was always under the impression this song was about drug addiction. Oh. Could be. Yeah. Would you die for me? Would you kill for me? And- or whatever.
1: Yeah. Oh, eh, could be that too.
0: Yeah. Either
1: way, I, I hit the hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so uh, hey, it's all open for interpretation. I could be wrong. Uh,
0: but it would, uh, it would make more sense uh, considering how the vibe of this album. But yeah, I think it is about drug addiction. But I eh, could be wrong too. Eh.
1: Yeah. You, you know, now that you mentioned that, I think I heard something of that too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm drunk. I took notes but not as good as yours uh but yeah it's an okay song but uh yeah definitely not a standout track to me what do you think
0: yeah the notes i took is not like wikipedia shit this is all just interpretation of what i feel about the album so i mean i've always thought this song was about drug addiction i think it's a killer epic tune that you know and, and and so far it's like been epic after epic and and here's where the epic song ends, you know, on the album. There's not really no more epics after this, but what an ending, you know. I love the mellow piano intro to the killer riff. It's that. It just like mm, it just keeps going, man. Needles and pin, a dead man, you're in. I love that shit. And yes, that middle section where they it sounds to me it's like the addiction is talking to Thunderhead. You know, it's like, would you do this for me? Would you do that? Would you suck cock for me? Yes, I will, Master! And I, th- I just think it's a badass song, and I think it's well thought out. And yeah, I never really thought about the hey, 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 but I don't know, it never really bothered me. Yeah? But you know, I like hey, hey, hey. Like, you know, he talking about love and shit like that. It's fine, I love it. Uh, Thunderhead, cool shit. Alright, I'll go to the next one. Mean Man. Sticks out like a sore fucking thumb, uh, uh, you know, as far as subject matter. This whole album is serious. Then comes this song. That's like Electric Circus on steroids. Uh, It's, you know, here's the first sign of the Wasp we all know from the past. Fast driving song with salty language. Uh, I have this single on on vinyl. Uh, It's Chris Holmes on the cover, which is weird. Like, an album cover with just Chris Holmes on it. How did, that, how did that slip through Blackie's cracks, huh? No shit. You know? But, you know, and, and then lyric-wise, I think it's Blackie capitalizing on Chris, Chris's reputation at the time from the Decline movie, because, you know, the Decline movie came out before this. Uh, I think this song smokes. I think it's just a good time rocking heavy metal tune, and I think it's very catchy. where I'm a mean motherfucking man. I just, oh, I love that shit, dude. Uh, the lyrics, in you know, a Chewbacca and the ride—it's like, okay, you could have changed that. But other than that, I, I, I like this song. I like this song a lot. I think Mean Man Kicks Ass. It's a, it's a mean-ass song. I love it. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think not enough metal songs, mention Chewbacca. I think that's fucking perfect. All right. right. Uh, I, I love it. Now, this is Wasp to me. Uh, I think they've done better, but to me, this is, this is what I want to hear. You know, you want, you want to hear some cussing. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head about him trying to capitalize on the decline shit because it's very unlike Blackie to give credit to anybody but Blackie, you know? And, it, you know, there's, all the stories are legendary about how jealous he was about Chris Holmes marrying Lita Ford and going to the Grammys with her and shit like that. So... That's the only way I can see him giving somebody else credit, is is to try to further his shit. But I love the fucking song. And, and just listening today, you know, I was like, oh, man. Now this is Wasp to me. Even, as much as I love Headless Children, uh, th- this is like a classic sounding Wasp song. Uh, absolutely love this. Definitely in my top, uh, I'd say top four on the album. Love me, Man.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go there, too. Awesome. That, let me ask you a question. Is there any song after Mean Man on this album as good as Mean Man or better?
1: Uh, you know what? Now that you mention it, Mean Man would have to be top three. <laughs> but there, there is another song on this album that I that I truly do love. But, more, uh, more than but Mean Man? Yeah, I think Mean Man's... No, that's why I just said I think Mean Man would be top three now and not top four. <laughs> Dude, there's a
0: song coming up. I love, I love more than Mean Man.
1: Oh, good lord. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, okay.
0: I, I, I fucking love it. I may, I may even put it number two on the album. My second favorite. And what song is that? We'll get to it when we get to it. Why don't you take the next song? Okay, the Neutron Bomber. Uh a
1: little love letter to Ronald Reagan uh which is funny you know he's right i mean he probably wrote it while reagan was in office but by the time this came out you know we had uh, george bush senior in office but uh yeah, this one don't really do much, nothing for me you know it, it's just uh uh beginning of the filler and now i kind of remember why uh you know th- this is one uh i didn't buy this on cassette This this i bought on cd Uh, but I remember this as being one that I would listen to like the first half a lot more and then pop out and put something else in. But, uh, to me, with the exception of one other track that's coming up, the album to me really ends with mean man, neutron bomber, uh, beginning of filler for me. What do you think, Ralph?
0: I love this song. Uh, I do agree with you. It is filler, but, um, I, you know, how about the beginning? Do you remember how the beginning starts? Boy, oh, yeah. it's, it's it's love gun, da 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 da. Yeah, then it does that little change, but it's fucking love gun. Uh, yeah, it's about Ronald Reagan and the threat of the of nuclear war. Uh, other than the last song in this album, this pretty much is uh, is part of the concept of the dark times we've lived in back then and in the present as well. And let's face it, the future. We're always gonna have this shit uh, hanging over our head. The the threat of nuclear war. I think it's a great song. I love the heaviness of this song as much as all that came before it, you know? I think it's a great example of why this is my second favorite Wasp album. This, uh, is it as good as every song before? No, okay, no. But, you know, I like it. I like it. I still like it. The, the, this music speaks to me more than the last two, even though I do like the last two. And if you want to see what I think of uh, The Last Command, we have an episode about it. And, um, but, uh, this, this one is just infested with heavier tracks. You know, Benali has a lot to do with this. The man is a fucking beast, man. Adds so much to the sound of this song. I fucking love it. Now I want to go to the next one. Uh, it's right. called Mephisto Waltz, right?
1: That's the name of it. Mephisto, I believe is how you pronounce it. Okay,
0: Mephisto. They put an E on it. God damn it. Why do you put an I? You confuse me that way all right a gorgeous gorgeous instrumental not something they were known for at this point obviously um kind of has a tinge vibe of iomi type laguna sunrise fluff type shit you know but but a little more you know um perfected you know you can tell this is something that they really worked on and I think it's gorgeous it's only a minute and 30 seconds obviously it's an intro for the next song but I want to talk about this song as a song itself and not as an intro to forever free I think Mephesto Waltz is gorgeous it's beautiful and I love it and I think it was welcomed to this point of the album where this album is just like BAM 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 and here's like Man, now you can breathe in the, the sweet sound of mellow, acoustic music. I love Meph- festo Waltz. What do you think? Uh, I agree. I think
1: it's great, but I think what suffers is, you know, the placing of the album. You know, putting it before Forever Free, which is an acoustic-y song, uh, kind of just makes it seem like an intro, where if it was placed, I mean, I, I think there's some bad sequencing on this album to begin with. I think if they, cause the first side is so strong, I think that they would have mixed it around a little bit. It would have been a more cohesive album. Like something like this would have been like really cool in front of, uh, the title track. You know, I, I would have liked the title track as the last song. And maybe this before that,
0: you know, you're, you're but, right. I, I would, I would have to agree with you.
1: But, uh, it, as far as the positioning, uh, to me, nine times out of ten when I hear it, I always kind of overlook it and just like, oh, Forever Free's coming up. Uh, but, but it is better than that. You know, That, that that's just where my head's at. But I, I think, you know, it has to do with the placing. You know, you're putting an acoustic piece right before an acoustic song. So it almost makes it look you know, like it should be one of those, you know, where it's the Festo's Walls and then, you know, a slash Forever Free kind of thing. Like, you know, what Sabbath did with songs that ran together and stuff. Uh, And I I think that's the only thing that suffers is the placement, but but it's a fine instrumental. I agree.
0: All right, you take the next one.
1: All right, the next one, "Forever Free," the second single off this album. Uh, I absolutely love this song. Uh, I, I really do, but I find it very odd that you know Blackie talks in the liner notes, you know, about this time like he was so pissed off at record company pressure. You know to be commercial and to do shit like that uh, that this album was a uh, you know like a, a, a finger a middle finger in their face like no fuck you I'm gonna go heavier but what he's doing here is exactly what every other band was doing in 1989 and that's having a ballad. Uh, now the, the difference is I love the song and and I, I think it's a great song and his voice to me is flawless on this flawless. Now, I've heard different things about what the song is about. I've heard that the song was about somebody he actually knew that he dated that died in a motorcycle accident, and then also, uh, on Wikipedia, it says that it's supposedly a homage to uh, Freebird.
0: I read an interview with Blackie back then where he said that.
1: Oh, really? Well, it okay. was it was
0: uh, on a magazine, so you know you can take that with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Uh,
1: but I think it's a damn fine song. And, you know, songs like this, Sleeping in the Fire, Cries in the Night. Uh, so good. So good. And then he would get, like, the next album, that, hold on to my heart. Woo! You know? Like, that was like, okay, now you sound, that shit sounded like it was off of Hot in the Shade. Sound like fucking Forever or something. Or, or uh, what was that horrible ballad off of uh, Revenge? Every time I look at you. Yeah, that, yeah, hold on to your heart got into that fucking territory. But this one, I absolutely love. It sticks out. Uh, you think mean man sticks out like a sore thumb. This sticks out a thousand times more. And I really can't see anything other than a blatant attempt to cash in on the, hey, everybody's got to have a balance thing. But I do happen to like the song. But uh, man, it does not fit the record to me. What do you think, Ralph?
0: You're not the only one. A lot of people love Forever Free. Here's where the album takes a turn for the worst for me. And, you know, and, and I know he said it was about free and shit. It sounds more Allman Brothers to me than than Leonard Skinner, really. And I love the Almond Brothers, but uh, I don't want to hear the Allman Brothers in the middle of a killer heavy metal album and a bad Almond Brothers song at that, you know? Now, I can't I can't go as far to say that this sucks because it sounds somewhat forced to me. I don't think Blackie honed in the ballad at